Over a millennium ago, the land of Nordencrest was taken by darkness. Creatures made from the essence of nightmares began to flood the country, terrorizing the populace. The standing military was wiped out, and the city was abandoned to horrendous monsters. The only occupied towns now exist on the furthest edges of the once peaceful realm. A single event draws a collection of tragic individuals together to struggle against the dying of the light. The sun disappeared over a thousand years ago, and in its place a dark star, encapsulated with a corona of purple light, took its place in the sky. A, a mysterious ruler wearing a dark crown took over the capital city, whose name was lost to time. Shortly thereafter, floating black orbs began to appear in towns, and flowing mists began to enshroud the forests, mountains, and waters of the world. Within this fog, nightmarish creatures would set upon those unfortunate enough to be caught unguarded. As well, the newly materialized ebon orbs would lash out at those that would defy the edicts of the new ruler. Over the next few centuries, life within the kingdom reached the semblance of homeostasis, as its denizens began to adapt to the established order of the world. The hissing mists, named because of the snake-like whispers that emanate from its proximity, are avoided or only ventured into with the accompaniment of armed escorts. Our tale begins in the port town of Perdute, a charming village with a population numbering no more than a few hundred. Two separate bands of adventurers have arrived under entirely different circumstances. The first, Beast Tamers and Friend, of the widely acclaimed Carnival, Morpheus the Magus and his marvelous miscellanea, have been within the walls of Perdute for no more than a night's rest. Their primary task is to prepare their charges for the upcoming performances scheduled to begin within three days' time. The second, the crew of the Wave Dancer, arriving and looking for the fortune teller operating out of the aforementioned circus, Mara Brightburn, and hopefully whatever exciting jobs might come their way. So, um, we'll start with the Wave Dancer. You've been out to sea now for just under a week, traveling from the seaport town of Havenport. Your intentions were made clear when you took on your most recent um, passenger, we'll say. Um, a charming yet kind of silent um, and reserved um, elf uh, by the name of Ruby. Um, Captain Theron, you and your first mate Luna Finscale. Um, this isn't your first time that you've traveled across the foggy seas. Um, but every time new dangers lurk, as you can attest to, just two days prior, less than two days prior, you were assailed on the ocean um, by threats conjured by the mist itself. However, the remainder of your time in the water, although choppy, was relatively calm. Um, as you begin to approach the coastline of this northeasterly uh, town that you've heard so much about, but this would actually be your first time truly visiting uh, as you tend to sail a more uh, westerly and southern course over your times that you have been on the western, or the eastern continent, um, the fog begins to part. Not the unnatural mist that conjures threats, but just a general malaise of mist or residue from low-lying clouds that is 
covered up, hidden, this town, um, you can begin to see pinpricks of light that, be, that are appearing um, as you get closer and closer, obviously torchlight of some kind, uh, outlining the dock in the, well, usually it's hard to tell, but at this time, with the dark star above your head, it looks to be near midday. Um, although there is no bright sunlight, as for a thousand years, the, the actual sunlight, the, the yellow comforting light of the sun has never t has not touched this land. Um, the purple light is brighter during this time, just enough to give you some semblance of comfort that you can see a little bit further in your journey ahead. The gas gives way, begins to spread as the wave dancer comes into port. You can see, uh, actually make a perception check for me as you come in. Me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because you would be taking the helm of the ship. Where is it? Where is it? Okay, right here. 18. 18? Uh, you, yeah, fair, that, that's a fair enough. You would see um, the outline of what looks to be two figures standing on the dock immediately to the, the portion that you're about to pull into the, to guide the wave dancer gracefully into, hopefully. Um, and you can see a couple of other figures walking around on the docks. Um, it's fairly large, although coming from Havenport, uh, which is a proper wharf, the, the dock is relatively small than, smaller than what you're used to. You can see a couple of other figures, humanoid in shape, um, running around on the dock doing things. You can see that directly behind the um, some of the more, um, excuse me, some of the elongated portions of the dock, you can see there seems to be a some type of um, boathouse, which most likely um, is either a inn for respite, respite on that station on the docks itself. Or maybe some type of trading post. Um, but you begin to pull in uh, with the wave dancer guided by your steady hand. Um, I would say for this particular check, uh, why don't you give me a, I'll say either intelligence or dexterity with your proficiency bonus. Because you are proficient with, um, with this particular vehicle. Go with dexterity. I'll just roll up twenty. Yes. <laughs> um, eleven. Eleven. Okay. Um, oh, plus my proficiency. Pressure proficiency. Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen. Um, it's not as smooth as you would like it to be. Uh, right as you're beginning to like drift, uh, are you using your hands or are you? Oh, kind of both. Kind of both. Uh, you feel that moment with your hands where it begins to to become unsteady, you think you might have hit some breakwaves that are coming out from, like, hitting off of the coastline and coming back and making the water choppy. You don't know what it is, but the ship begins to jerk a little bit. So you use some of your more um, esoteric features to right the boat and pull it in. Um, as you begin to do the, um, the docking um, protocol and procedures that you normally do, uh, including dropping anchor. Um, 
I'm assuming that um, uh, Luna is helping with that. Luna, the ship jostles for like a second, but then you can feel it begin to course correct and even out, and then it begins to port, make port. Um, at this point, having been on months worth of journeys with uh, with Theron, you know you know what you're supposed to do. Um, so go ahead, and I will say make the same check. Either let's go with um, either dexterity or intelligence, uh, which I'm assuming you're going to do dexterity with uh, yeah. with your prof- <laughs> with your proficiency bonus. My proficiency bonus in dexterity. Yeah, so it'll be plus two for your proficiency bonus, and then whatever your dexterity modifier is. I got a net 20 plus 7. Boom. Before Theron can even <laughs> say anything to you, uh, Just the night. <laughs> you quickly, and Ruby, you're, you're watching this from, from the deck, uh, and knowing that you were close to, to Purdue, uh, you've been given a pretty accurate timetable as to when you guys would get there. And despite the fact that you were briefly assailed on your way here, it didn't seem to slow you down that much. Um, you see, Ruby, as you're standing there watching your, your, the ship begin to turn and adjust itself to get a right up next to the dock, uh, you, you barely hear the sound of the sharp dragon-like talons that click lightly on the top of the ship, uh, the, the actual deck, where Ruby or where uh, Luna begins to run around, light as a feather, and untie things and tie things up really quick. Grab the anchor, get ready as it comes around. Wait, watch for the rope to come over to, uh, or watch for the person to come over the dock master, so you can throw the rope over to that person, so they can begin to wrap up the ship. Everything. Uh, Luna is able to knock that out in about forty-five seconds, uh, moving with unnaturally graceful speed, which this wouldn't be the first time you've seen that. Um, and the ship, the Wave Dancer, pulls gently up to uh, the dock, and with your 18 perception there, and you would see closely now as you uh, witness the what you are assuming is the dock master, um, who was described to you uh, in detail by Eamon, um, the niece of that wharf master, uh, Trist- Tristania Mayark. Uh, you see the f- full curly red hair that cascades down the side of her face into her probably about mid-back. Uh, you can see a light greenish-blue, like a turquoise vest um, that's covering her sinewily but well-muscled arms. Uh, fairly thin, but not... Like she's been emaciated from like lack of food. She does look like she's in shape. Uh, you can see that her her pants actually. Let me bring up her um, her character model because this is the absolute perfect time to do so, which I should have done because I have NPCs ready for you guys to to actively see. Um, so what we'll do is we'll bring up uh, some of those NPCs right now. We will bring up good old Tristania. Perfect. Uh, and we will put her, all right, I wonder if I can actually share this with, um, I actually can, I'll share this on the screen for those of you who have not seen that, which will be 
the uh, there we go. Uh, there's Tristania there. Uh, you can see, uh, excuse me, that her pants are the turquoise color. Her jacket is like a, a off light blue, um, purplish, like almost like a gray, uh, long coat, uh, with a, a slightly grayer blue, um, detailing on the, on the actual cuffs of her jacket and the actual lapel. Um, you can see that she is carrying strapped to her back a fairly large and heavy looking crossbow. Uh, she has a hunting knife strapped to the side uh, on her belt, along with a, a pouch, what looks to be either a, probably a money pouch, uh, and she seems to be carrying a book as she kind of quickly with one arm and one hand grabs the rope that, um, that oh my god, I'm so not used to the names, that Luna, I'm thinking of the last campaign, that Luna, Luna throws to her, she snatches it with one uh, hand, like throws it down on a peg, and like uses her foot to pressure on the rope and then grabs the loop and ties in a knot with one hand and then yanks really hard and you hear a sound as it tightens uh, never taking her eyes off of the book that she has she kind of looks down at it looks over at the ship briefly nods looks up towards the ship waiting for someone to come forth and looks over in your direction Theron says Heil I, uh, I yell to Ruby Say, Ruby, would you be a deer and greet the uh, dock master, please? I wonder if she. I uh, I still need to take care of something. Yeah. So she kind of looks over and she sees she doesn't hear what you're saying. You kind of see her like try to lean her ear in and and focus up, um, but she looks in the direction that you're looking and her eyes widen briefly as she sees uh, both Ruby and then. Luna, and she sees Luna, I'm assuming, beginning to walk towards her? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Luna's gonna... So, you, thing, you, know? you grab the, um, the, uh, the plank, the actual, uh, walkway, and slam it down, uh, like, lift it over the lip, and have it fall gently down over to the dock well, with your high proficiency check that you made a second ago it definitely it barely touches the ground or the the dock it sounds like a little tapping as it hits the side and she kind of looks over as you begin to walk down she turns towards you and says hmm you you do not look like captain theron um name okay did luna go first or did I? luna yeah she already walked off the dock She's looking at you, Luna. Um, yeah, I'll take that as a compliment. I'm not Captain Theron. He's just uh, still in the ship. She, her head kind of leans forward. Name? But, uh, Luna Finscale. She insta She flips a page in the le in the ledger. Ah, you're the deckhand. The oh, excuse me. The the first mate? That's the one. Oh, well, you're listed as both duties here. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of a skeleton crew. I would oh, say I you are listed as two crewmen, including yourself and the captain, and one passenger, correct? Correct. Do you have your paperwork? I would say that given the duties that, that with that proficiency check, yeah, you are immediately pulling it out of your 
um, of your pack, you have what would be the title for the ship, um, your travel records of the past six months, which you usually need in these circumstances. Uh, and you kind of hand them over to her as she snatches them out of your hand and begins to look at the ledger and look at the paperwork. Folds it up with one hand, holds it out to you. Take it. Yes, okay. She she grab. quickly snatches up a pen or a pencil uh, out from uh, her side pouch and begins to write something down. Everything seems to be in order. Um, and at this point, as you're like, you get a, like a quick glance at her. You look and you notice a wickedly long, ragged scar that goes from about uh, upper cheek all the way down to almost the center of her chin, diagonally from the left side. Uh, it may have been from a claw mark from something, or it could have been from like a wick, like a, just a really dull knife. Um, but it is fairly large and thick. And as she, as you look up and you see, you see that on her face, her eyes kind of glance up towards you, and then look back down at the ledger. Everything seems to be in order here. Uh, I believe you were sent this way by my uncle, correct? Would I know that? Yeah, she would know that. <laughs> Okay. Yes, I was. Interesting. Um, uh, how much by time? The way, that's okay. a nice guy. Where'd you get it? Make a persuasion check. Oh no! <laughs> this is where you roll natural one. <laughs> yeah. Why would you? Why? For fun. <laughs> She's curious. Okay. Um... <laughs> Uh, 17. 17. Uh, her eyes narrow for just a brief second, and then there's like a warmth that kind of comes over them as she realizes you're not being patronizing in your, in your interest. Uh, it was from one of the um, mistborn in this area. Particularly nasty bugger that caught me when I was out at the edge of the dock, jumped out of the, lot, the water, latched onto my head um, before I could get my knife out, and gouged me as you can see, uh, only took one slash to end that creature's life. And she kind of unstraps the blade for a second and pulls it out. And you can see uh, that there is like a, a wicked serrated edge to the blade as she slides it back into the sheath and fast, like quickly clasps the, uh, the lock on, on the blade. Um, interesting. Very few have asked me where I got that scar before. They're mostly afraid to talk to me, I think. I, I think it's nice. Thank you. Uh, I believe there is someone who is, and about at that point, you hear, uh, what's your passive perception? Uh, and what's yours 15. as well, Ruby? 15, 16. 16 15? Yeah, so you would see just a fraction of a second before uh, Luna would hear uh, the clicking sound uh, much heavier on the the wooden planks of the dock uh, of something quickly shuffling towards uh, <laughs> towards Luna. And at this point, I'd say about, I would say you see the person starting to move, the humanoid, uh, but you kind of like marked them in the corner of your eye as some type of odd shape, but you were paying attention to the conversation as you look over. You see why there was something in the back of your mind that was like, what the hell is that? Um, as you see this about five foot tall 
um, black and like a like a, a dark red and purplish colored um, humanoid bird like creature, a with feathers all alight, adorned in this bright red, uh, like blood red vest. Uh, actually, let me put this down so you can actually see this. So a bright blood red vest uh, with dark black pants, this humanoid figure with wings that are relatively thin. Uh, don't ignore that the, the Hero Forge doesn't look like they're thin because uh, like it's the only wings I could give her. Um, you can see a, and it is a female anthropomorphic. You can see from the body type uh, that it resembles a a more feminine feature. Uh, as this creature begins to click clack up over towards uh, Luna, you feel a. It's almost like it's almost like spider webs that have kind of touched your shoulder briefly. Um, as you feel something like brush against it and then press down. Uh, you realize that something is trying to tap you on the shoulders. I can see that my camera is on. The figure that which you feel now tap you on the shoulder. Uh, it almost sounds like a clucking sound as it's like... You realize, that even with your like low intelligence, but you have a fairly high passive insight, that it's trying to clear its throat. As you begin to turn, and you see this five-foot-tall, anthropomorphic, raven-looking female um, who, as you turn around, kind of ducks her head a little bit. Uh, you can see that she currently has grasp in her uh, wing arm, a what looks to be like a notepad. It's kind of hard to tell because it's, there's a lot of feathers there. But it definitely does look like some type of notepad, which it becomes blatantly apparent as she begins to pull up a writing, a feather quill, which looks to be a feather probably taking from her own um, malting. Uh, she kind of holds it up here, looks at you and says, Captain Tedder? <laughs> Cap Captain Tedder? Eyes. Beautiful crystal blue. Um, she looks at you with anticipation. She's looking at you, Luna. And I'm looking back. <laughs> Head just cocked quizzically and continuing to move it very much like a bird would. As she as she Has takes Luna you in. Seen a crow person before? Uh, let's go with. No, no, I don't. I don't think your character would have seen too many. Um, okay, Luna's just staring in disbelief that there is a crow person. Uh, the bird, like wide-eyed, and her eyes are fairly wide. You really make an insight check. You, you really can't tell if she's also surprised to see uh, like a dragonborn. Uh, or if it's just how big her eyes are, uh, as she. Okay, so insight, I did real good. Uh, <laughs> I got nineteen plus five, twenty-four. Oh, she, it, it, you can read her her the tension in her body and the kind of tightness in her shoulders. Uh, she seems confused and definitely didn't. If, from what it look, from what it feels like, she wasn't expecting to see whatever you are. 
Are, are you Captain Theron? No, she's not Captain Theron. He'll be along in a minute. She looks over towards the the do- the boat, like because I'm assuming you're coming down at this point. Yeah. She looks over and sees you walking towards her. Hmm. Name. Looks towards both of you. Back and forth. I'm Ruby. Ruby. Looks towards you, Luna. Luna's just like, you're beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) She, oh, thank you. You're beautiful. And you hear her say that back at you in your own voice. (laughs) Ruby, you're beautiful. You hear it in Luna's voice coming from this bird. Do you know when Captain Theron will be along? While that's happening, Theron, what are you doing? I'm uh, I'm telling my familiar that's inside to, uh, you're going to watch the ship, and I don't want any trouble while we're gone. And Wait, who are you telling? My familiar. Oh, you're familiar? Okay, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, you guys see Theron come out the door and, like, kind of wave inside and like remember keep quiet and he like slowly closes the door and he like brushes himself off and you guys see like a feather come off of him as he brushes away and then he walk he starts walking towards you which you hear on the the deck of the ship as he begins to walk over he you see as you you come out now you see the scene that is in front of you. You see Tristania, which you immediately were like, okay, this is who I was put into contact with. And then you see Luna, which you're used to her. You're now used to Ruby. Then you see the bird figure. And as you kind of like walk out, you hear her in Luna's voice turn to Ruby and say, you're beautiful. <laughs> and then look over towards you as you begin to walk towards the uh, the plank the the uh, the actual um, oh yeah I looked this up the other day uh, the walkway that leads down to the the actual dock now Captain Theron I presume yes yes it's a pleasure uh, your name my name is Noel Whistler Noel it is great to meet you nice to meet you and she holds out she kind of switches the notebook to her other feathered hand and reaches her hand out. Shake? Yes, and I shake her hand. Shake her hand. Thank you. Oh, I was sent here by Praetor Chester. Who is that? Uh, make a history check to see if you know who uh, who Praetor Chester is. Bam. I got 17. 17. Uh, although... You did. You did do a little research before you set out to go to Purdue. I would say, like the actual crew probably did. Um, the the Praetor Chester Rigadote is the actual um, current mayor of Purdue. Uh, he took over within the past five years or so. The previous mayor's name uh, you would actually remember as well um, was a. An individual by the name of one second, where did he go? 
because with a 17, this is what it would yield you. Uh, uh, Locke Forrester. Um, you've heard that the uh, that the current mayor uh, is different from the previous mayor in that he has a much more friendly demeanor, and the previous mayor was kind of a hard ass. This guy's supposed to be very welcoming, uh, but also very stern when it comes to protecting Purdue. Um, that would be his reputation that you've heard at this point. Would I know how the mayors get elected if it's a kind of democracy or more of just a... Uh, uh, you would know that usually they are elected unless it's like a noble established town. If it's a noble established town, usually it's ruled by someone through bloodline, through birth. Okay. Uh, this particular one, given the fact that you're pretty sure that Chester himself is not uh, an elf and they have differing last names... Because uh, the descriptions that you've heard of Chester is that he is um, short, but friendly and fiery. Um, you get that this is probably an elect uh, electoral thing. Uh, and as you kind of look over at her and she looks at you, oh, Prater Chester Rigadot uh, told me to snag you as you arrived. He would like to speak with you. As you've come midday... Instead of at night when we expected you, he is not in his domicile. Looks over to the rest of the crew, looks over at Tristania. Tristania kind of realizes that she's no longer needed and begins to walk towards uh, the other end of the dock, opening her ledger, looking at it for a second, closing it, putting it to her side. She was walking towards the people who are currently working on the dock. It's nice to meet you, too. She waves her hand. Captain Theron. And, all right, or should, uh, would you have us wait, or are we going immediately? No, he is, do you, are you interested in the circus? And as you... So she says that she looks back towards the uh, area behind the dock and you can see a large white tent that has gone up. And now you can see that it's stretching up into the mist and it's kind of outlined in the thick fog of this midday, which is it, it, for a second you thought it might have been a part of the scenery. But then as you kind of z focus in with your eyes, you realize, no, that's a freestanding structure. And you've never really seen a tent that tall before. Um, he is at the circus currently. Oh, perfect. We can uh, drop by, get entertained while we chat. Very well. And turns and begins to walk towards that. Now, Tornog, Everly, you've been up and about and dealing with the the dire cats and prepping them for the show now all morning. Um, you arrived yesterday. You began to help with the uh, unloading, breaking down, and setting up pro process that occurs uh, whenever you guys are in a town and you're starting to perform. Uh, a lot of the heavy lifting is handled by uh, the resident strong woman there. Uh, whose name is, boop, 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 boop. I love this, I love that I have this stuff ready for you. Uh, that would be Immensa Titanrood, who is the Goliath strong woman in your party. Uh, she personally helps Morpheus uh, set up the things that he doesn't already set up with magic. 
And as you were there and as you arrived, uh, one of the first things that happened uh, was that Morpheus used uh, a very powerful levitation spell to unload the inner workings of the tent and began to cast and did a ritual cast for the majority of the day that began to set it all up in place, just how he likes it. Um, Tornog, you know that with your experience in the, the circus up until this point, many months you've been a part of it, um, you would know that there is a certain structure that has to be adhered to, and Morpheus has a chamber that is at the very top of the circus tent. Um, there is a performance area at the bottom. Uh, there's a second level that where private, uh, private and important figures can sit and witness the show. Uh, and then there are, of course, Mac, uh, Morpheus's chambers. Um, as you entered into the city, riding with your charges, uh, which would be a lovely, lovely, pristine, short coat, dire cougar, uh, by the name of Cleopatra, and her eternal companion, a furry, full-body mane-looking uh, male dire cougar by the name of Fernado, who you personally named uh, over the past couple of months. Um, His Fernando. Fernando. Oh, it looked like Fernado when I looked at it earlier. Maybe I was Fernando. I was so busy. Fernando and Cleopatra. Um, yes. They. Um, as you were riding in with them, and initially you rode in sitting at the top, and this was your normal position when you're riding. You're sitting on the top of the actual cage uh, wagon with Everly kind of guiding, sort of guiding the uh, the wagons behind the uh, three that usually follow behind the main central Morpheus wagon. Um, although you've noticed that, and Everly, you've definitely noticed this as well, that the animals seem to kind of move themselves following the lead of the, the primary cart when you guys are traveling in between uh, towns. Um, as you entered into the city, immediately you could tell that your dire cats were on edge. Um, they kind of perked up and began to pace in their cage. Uh, most notably, um, Fernando was doing most of the movement, and he was walking circles around Cleopatra as she kind of set up in a her normal pristine sitting manner would be with the the uh, the paws crossed like this, and kind of disinterested as she kind of rests her head. She's sitting straight up with both of her front forearms locked and looking around, her eyes wide, her ears twitching in multiple directions, and you can see. You could see when you came in Fernando just pacing around her, looking outside of the cage at everyone in the village and everything that he could possibly take in, sniffing. Uh, I would say that you would know this is odd behavior. Normally, when you come into a village, Cleopatra maintains that same nonchalant, cat-may-care attitude. And Fernando, while he's interested, usually isn't pacing. He's... He's kind of like he gets up and like gets towards the bars and kind of looks around and sniffs a little bit, comes like lays back down disinterested, gets up another time, walks around, completely on edge this time when you come into Purdue. And it shows this morning as Everly and Tornog, you begin to kind of work the cats, getting them ready into their routine and kind of taking them around the uh, the pin area that you have set up. 
um, they're they're not listening quite as much as they should. Make an animal handling check. I would say that since it's to be for Tornog, and I'd say since Everly's with you, probably assisting, you could do it with advantage. Seven. And that was with advantage? You rolled twice? Oh. Well, my second one was an actual one. So. Okay, so so 15 plus <laughs> 20, so that'd be 22? You said 15 plus 7? Um, it takes you longer than you normally uh, would it takes you not longer than you normally would to actually get the, the cats to listen. Um, as you begin to work them through the morning routine with Everly there to, to help you out, uh, they are, I won't say they're being insubordinate, but they seem to be, their focus seems to be drawn in different directions, uh, oftentimes looking towards the woods, um, some, and then most of the time looking uh, at the, because you guys cut through the city when you came in, uh, taking the roadways to where you got to the back area of the, I say city, but town, back area to the back gate of the town that's close to the mountain that's kind of stationed up on the coastline and they had a, an area cleared for you for use. Uh, they opened the gates and now the cats are kind of moving their heads and bodies towards the gates to kind of look around at the walls and stalking next to the pen. It takes you about 10 to 15 minutes to get them to stop doing that, even with that high of a row. Um, and then eventually you start working them through the routine, but you can tell they're, they're a little bit distracted. Um, and then you hear the gates open. You and Everly both. What are your passive perceptions for each of you? Mm-hmm. Yes, Everly and Tornok. All passive? 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said this one Yeah. 15. 15? Oh, yeah. So you both, you're not so engrossed into the, the, um, the routine that you don't notice that the, uh, the gates open. Um, you see, which is commonplace for the, the day that you've been here, you see the city guard kind of step out, uh, their spears kind of leveled and uh, across their chest, although not in a fighting position, but definitely since they're outside the uh, town walls in a ready position. Uh, you see them kind of step up into the side of the, the, the gate doors as they open, and then you see uh, a probably about like a three foot three, three foot two tall um, individual, short and stout. Uh, if if it wasn't, if the creature, if the man wasn't so short, you would have thought that he was a dwarf. Uh, but because he's a foot shorter usually than most dwarves at the, at the very least, uh, you recognize immediately that this is not a dwarven kind. Not to mention that his face is completely clean shaven, smooth, glistening in the purple light. Uh, you can see that he has a warm yet cocky smile uh, that is that's plastered on there. You can see that he is um, walking hurriedly with purpose. His long grayish brown hair, almost like a a um, a light auburn color that kind of grows midway down, sort of like my hair, but way straighter uh, and not curly hobbit hair that uh, goes down to about his neck and shoulders area. Um, you can't tell what his eye colors are, but they are very wide and friendly looking. Uh, he is dressed in a long brown coat uh, with dark gray pants, and it looks to be like a beige colored um, button-up shirt. 
He has a flintlock pistol um, holstered on the side. As you can see when he turns, the coat swings out. You can see very clearly the glistening metal and the purple light. Uh, you can see that he also has what would be, <laughs> with your passive perception, which is not below a 12, so you're fine. Uh, you would see that he has a short sword strapped to his back. Um, at first, you mistake it for a long sword, but then you realize he's three feet tall. And you, and you think to yourself, Tornog, as you look at the sword that's on his back as he kind of turns to address the guard, says something, and then begins to walk towards, like turn back around and walk towards the front entrance to the uh, the actual circus tent. <laughs> you're like, I could pick my teeth with that blade. Uh, it's probably no more than a foot and a half wide. Um, Everly looks like a normal short sword to you. So you uh, you see this figure begin to walk towards the entrance to the um, to the carnival, and I would say that based on the conversations that you've heard over the past couple of days, you would probably recognize this figure, if not by his demeanor and his walk, then by the description and the confident way that he. Uh, address those guards is most likely the mayor of this village. Uh, and you see him disappear around the corner of the tent and presumably enter into the front entrance. Um, Have you been here before? Perdute? No. Okay. So, Tornog. Um, it's been... It's been an interesting month for you. And you as well, Everly. Getting to know Tornog better, um, kind of some of the things that you guys engage with and and some of the ways that you help Tornog, you have noticed that she has become oddly tense around um, Morpheus. Tornog. There was a particular interaction that happened when you were leaving the last town that stuck in your mind for these for the past three weeks. You saw, you could have swore when you left that last town that you saw somebody enter into Morpheus's chambers. Younger, fit young man, probably late 20s, maybe mid 20s. Um, the night that you were leaving, that you were everything was packed up and the carnival was set to move out, uh, you saw that figure late at night enter into Morpheus's tent, and then never saw that figure leave. And then about two weeks on the road, in the dead of night, a horse rode up to your caravan and demanded to speak with Morpheus. Morpheus quickly came out of his wagon addressed the individual, took them inside the wagon, and the figure looked discontent as they showed up and were riding at a brisk pace to catch the wagon. And then after probably no more than 10 minutes, the figure calmly exited the wagon with a smile on its face, kind of a distant look in its eyes, and then turned around and rode off into the direction that it came from. I'm, uh, I'm going to try and take push to talk off. Let me know if there's feedback. Okay. So, yeah. You've been dwelling on that now for 
well, since the figure left, probably about a week and a half. Um, before then, there were other things that stood out in your mind that were odd, but this is just the latest in a string of incidents that just seems uneasy to you. Um, People don't just disappear and stop being around. Yeah, that's what you've put together in your head. You hear um, the voice of presumably Ch uh, Chester, uh, the mayor figure, um, from the tent, from the inside of the tent, as you kind of stop what you're doing for like a brief second to listen in. Uh, with, He's in the tent or we're in the tent? You guys are outside of the tent in the, in the animal pen right now. Um, you hear from inside the tent noise. And because uh, the person's not particularly trying to be quiet, um, you hear this conversation. You hear the, this these bits. You hear, Morpheus, I'm so glad you made it. We're very excited here in Purdue to hear you and see you and witness everything that you have to present to us. We are we are so excited and in need of reprieve. This carnival couldn't have come at a better time. We are experiencing some stresses of small town living. Um, will everything be ready in three days' time? And you hear the familiar voice of Morpheus. Oh, of course, of course, of course. Everything will be ready. Everything will be fine. It will lift your heart and your spirit. Your your town will remember this this week as one of the greatest weeks it's ever experienced. You said you were experiencing some troubles. And can I hear like a muffled sound? However, Everly with a 17, you would hear, Huh. Tell me about it, please. Come with me. And as you're kind of like straining to listen, Tornog, that you kind of you hear like, yeah, me, but Everly hears that last little bit. Um, about that time, you hear the animals starting to get restless again. You turn around and you can see that Fernando has begun to make his way over to the opposite end of the pen and is currently trying to scale up <laughs> the other side and get out. <laughs> And as you look over, he kind of glances back at you, realizes that you see him, and slowly takes his paws down and begins to climb back down towards the ground. <laughs> as you continue working through that routine, the other part of the group is being led over towards the, the carnival. You're being led through the town. Uh, this isn't your first time seeing a town like Purdue. It's not like they're a dime a dozen, but every one of these towns has a similar structure, given the mist. Uh, Ruby, the same goes for you. Luna, you don't have as, a lot of experience with towns, given your backstory, but um, the few that you've been to, you've noticed that they're all surrounded in some type of fortification. Uh, with this particular town, it is a double set of walls. Um, that have a minute space in between them, presumably for forces to walk in between. Um, you notice there are guards stationed at different sections throughout the wall. Um, it's about 10 feet high uh, in most places. Um, you can see as you're walking through the village that the, uh, what are your passive insights for all three of you? Insight? Yep. 16. 16. Ooh. 15. 15. Ooh. 10. 10? So, Theron, you don't notice anything odd. You're like, these 
<laughs> these towns are a dime a dozen. I've seen them before. It's not like the big city. It's not like being out of the ocean, so you really don't care. Um, Luna and Ruby, you both get a feeling of unease coming from the regular townsfolk as you walk by. You see that people are kind of glancing at you sidelong, and they look unsure, and certain times may be hostile uh, as they begin to quickly like go about their daily business. Um, but it's not more than a five or six minute walk to where you need to get to, um, given the fact that Noel is moving at a very brisk pace. You guys walk, keeping up with her as she begins to lead you out towards a gate. Um, you can see that there are two guards stationed there uh, with long spears and what look to be long rifles, flintlock, put leaned against the inner uh, edge of the walls on the inner side. Uh, you can see that they are, as you as Noel begins to approach, they kind of perk up, put their spears in the ground, um, look at her as she kind of looks at them. One of the guards instinctively kind of turns his head and tilts it and then kind of shakes it and slaps himself. And it's like, oh, yes, Miss um, Whistler, uh, Chester, the Praetor, he, he just passed through not more than 10 minutes ago. Um, I, I, he convenes to open the the the, uh, the gate that's there and the uh, portcullis that guards the outer uh, the outside of it. Um, well, actually, it's portcullis and then gate. Pardon me. Uh, he opens the portcullis up and then the gate, and um, you begin to walk. As you walk in, you see from your vantage point, you three, uh, you see a probably about a thirty or forty foot tall tent that has been set up. Uh, probably about 40 feet at the, on the upper end of it. Uh, you can see that it towers up into the sky. It's almost like a cloth mountain. If it weren't for its uh, uniform geometric shape, you would think that this is a mountain that's been made out of someone's uh, canvas. Uh, you can see that there are n numerous decorations that are being put up around it, um, different uh, banners of stylized colors, uh, a mixture of yellow, red, blue, purple, uh, you can see that there are torches that are being set up on the outside. You can see the pathway that leads over towards the mountain uh, on the outskirts of this village. Uh, you can see that towards the back end, the side, as you kind of look over and glance over, I would say that Ruby and Luna notice this because Theron is too busy off in his own little world and following Noel. Uh, you see that there is what looks to be an animal pen towards the back where all these wagons are parked, and you can see a fairly large, nearly eight foot tall, like seven to eight foot tall uh, woman, just huge with a whip on her side and a much smaller, normal humanoid size uh, female who is with her. And they are currently rustling up these two large cats that are inside this pen. Um, and they, they, you begin to follow Noel inside of the circus. Uh, you two, who are currently doing your uh, training exercises, would barely catch a glance of the other two figures that are coming in because they're moving very quickly. Uh, the other three figures and the fourth, which would be Noel. Um, Noel says, hurry, hurry, quickly now, and begins to guide you into this ginormous open-air um, tent, which you can see... The ceiling is about 9 to 10 feet tall um, at the bottom. You can see that as you walk in, 
there were looked to be tables that are being lined up on the outskirts of these massive risers that are going up into the air, creating almost a um, a mini arena towards the back end of the actual uh, tent. You can see that there are they're laying down what looks to be like a dirt floor. They're they're putting down sand. Uh, numerous figures of the circus as they run around trying to put a bunch of stuff up. Uh, you can see a lot of the props are being set out to the side. Um, some of the clowns, which you notice at this point, uh, are very, very tiny, have very pointy ears, uh, green and brown coloration to their skins. Uh, you would recognize them immediately, Wave Dancer crew as goblins. Uh, They're putting face paint on each other, uh, and you'll see one of them draw something hilarious as you walk by, something that definitely looks resembles probably a dick on the other one's face and just starts chuckling like super, super loud. And the person that's beside him, the other goblin, is laughing, just cackling hysterically as that goblin clown, the other one, sits there frowning at them, quickly grabs a mirror that he has st stored beside him, looks at his face, and immediately takes the mirror and slams it down on the one who is doing his makeup. Exploding <laughs> glass everywhere. You hear as that goblin who was frowning begins to cackle hysterically, and the other one who was laughing falls on the ground holding his stomach um, as he is dying from laughter. He takes the makeup out of the person's hand, uh, the goblin's hand and begins to walk over to one of the larger mirrors that's uh, sort of like a funhouse mirror that stretches up and down and makes you look disfigured and begins to do his own makeup in the mirror. Um, Noel stops for a second, looks around. Tornog and Everly, you would hear the unmistakable and familiar laughter of the goblins of Squawks and Gox getting up to their normal pre-show ritual of tormenting one another. Um, you see Wave Dancer Crew, you see Noel look around for any sign of Chester kind of taking in everything in this area head twitching rapidly. Hmm. I... No. Chester? Chester. Mr. Egadot! Wave Dancer. What's the passive perception of the Wave Dancer crew? Is anybody above, like, a 13? 16. 16? Yeah. 15. Uh, 12. 15? Okay, so... There and you're just taking and everything. You're laughing. You see the gog the goblins over there doing stupid stuff, and you're just enthralled with what they're doing. Uh, Ruby and Luna, once again, you would hear, "Oh shit, I forgot they must be here." Um, coming, Noel. One, one moment. We'll be right down. As you hear from above your head, there and wave dancer crew. Even the 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 two outside, you would hear Chester's voice, kind of lightly muffled inside of the tent. Um, doesn't take him more than two or three minutes before he begins to walk down the, st the makeshift stairs that have been created for this uh, tent, it's presumably up on the second or third floor. Uh, you see the... Oh, actually, I can actually show you the mini of this figure. Um, of good old Chester. Um... This would be uh, Chester. He has a bright, well, he has like a blood red scarf that wraps around his neck. Um, and you would see as he begins to walk down the stairs, the uh, sparkling um, 
flash on his right uh, ring finger uh, that it looks like a fairly large ruby uh, inset into a dark iron band on his ring as he begins to walk down hurriedly towards um, Noel. Oh, oh, and behind him, you would see the around six foot one, um, long white haired uh, with a white Van Dyke uh, mustache and goatee, uh, dressed in a dark black t-shirt almost, uh, with dark black pants and like comfy looking dress shoes, uh, walking down behind him, what you presume to be the ringmaster of this carnival. Um, Chester looks over towards your crew. Ah, ah, one, one moment. Be, I'm, I'm coming right now. I'm, I'm coming. Oh, and hurriedly walks over to it. You see this three foot two, like stop. You could you could tell that he is built in a way that most gnomes or halflings aren't built. As he fills out this heavy and rather large for his size uh, brown coat, you can see that it's kind of stretched tight against his arms and leg and chest. Um, uh, you can see that his pants are the same way. Like, or excuse me, his legs. His pants are stretched against his legs as well. Uh, everything seems to be rather form-fitting for him. Yeah, his legs. Yeah, his, yeah, his coat stretches his legs. Um, he, as he begins to walk towards you, um, he this is this nice, like warm smile that has like a little bit of cockiness to it. Is it's kind of he smiles to the left. Um, nice pearly white teeth as he walks up towards uh, the the wave dancer crew, and he says, "Ah, ah." Uh, Noel, yes, I'm sure you've introduced yourselves to them. I'm sure that they've introduced themselves to you. Uh, I, however, am uh, Praetor Chester Rigadote. I am the mayor, the constable, the council of this fine town of Perdute. Uh, I was told that you would be coming uh, by a couple of well-known individuals over in Havenport. Uh, they said that you, and points over towards you, Theron, you, you must be Captain Theron. You? Guilty. Yes. Ah, guilty. <laughs> you're not brought up on charges yet. Um, uh, you, I've heard that your crew... Um, uh, let's see. I was, I was just discussing this with, with um, Morpheus over here. And Morpheus kind of waves half-heartedly towards you. Uh, we've been having some um, interesting things happening in this village. And I've heard that you... And points over to you, Ruby. You have a, well, all of you three have a reputation about looking for things to solve, maybe? Are you problem solvers? You have been informed correctly. Interesting. I have problems. Um, perhaps we could sit down and discuss this. And he looks around. Ah, table. And we can still walk over towards the table really quick. I think you could definitely sit down right now. Yeah. I uh, I whisper to you, Luna. I'm like, don't let his size intimidate you, okay? <laughs> you've never you've never seen a. It's kind of hard to get a beat on him. Probably halfling. Uh, this engorged. Like he's very bulky. Um, as he begins to, he walks over quickly to the. Uh, to the chair that's over at this table, and kind of starts to hop up for a second, looks at the table, realizes that it's about, like, right here on him, 
looks at the chair. No, this one too. Pulls the chair out, steps up, climbs up on the chair real quick, sits on top of the table, and kind of dangles his legs for a second and waits for you guys to walk over. Mm. Chipper guy, chipper fellow, Noel, seeing this, begins to walk over towards him and uh, has a seat right beside him on top of the table, doesn't sit in a chair. Well, I guess I join him. Huh. Oh. Like on the table or in a chair? Yep, on the table. Oh, big is this table? Uh, it's probably a normal, like, bar table. It, I mean, with him on there and Noel and now Theron, no more than one more person's probably going to fit on that. Um, As I said... And Okay. Ah. And Morpheus doesn't even, like, make a move to go towards the table. He kind of steps off to the side. Um, and the, the, the Chester looks at you sitting to the left of him. Looks at Noel. Looks at Ruby standing ahead of him. Looks over towards Luna. Oh, hmm. Such a shame they don't make tables and chairs that everyone can sit at and enjoy equally. <sighs> oh, sorry. That's not our problem. That's not the problem I want you to solve. Sorry. Um, no. Uh, as I was discussing with uh, Morpheus here, I. Well, quick question. What I've heard a little bit from, from Amen. What, what are you looking for here in Purdue? Well, that is a very personal question. Oh, I am so sorry. No, I didn't mean to offend. I, we get visitors here. Usually, though, it's it's shipping or or imports and exports and things of that nature. Very rarely do we get adventurers passing through <sighs> Purdue via ship. Usually, that happens when they enter into through the front gates over there. Any points? Um, very rarely do we have sailors that come in that are looking for work. Uh, but Eamon said that you were interested in potentially taking up a job or looking for things to do. So I'm just wondering, it, did you have any other purpose here in Purdue or the Western continent? Well, to meet uh, interesting people, which hmm. we are right now. He looks over towards Morpheus. Ah. If you're looking for interesting figures, over there is the ringmaster of this carnival, uh, a an individual by the name of Morpheus. You guys, at this point, Everly and Tornog, you can hear that there is a conversation clearly going on inside. Uh, you can hear the, the voice of Chester, which you heard earlier. Uh, you heard Morpheus speak briefly. Um, Do I have any um, info on Morpheus? Um, make a history check. History it's seven, so eleven. Eleven. Um, you know the basic history of the carnival, uh, which is that they travel from town to town. Uh, supposedly, whenever they're there in the town or the, wherever they're at, the city, um, the mist will not encroach. Never have they been in a city or a town or where the mist have come in while they've been there. As a matter of fact, mist activity is very low if non-existent when the carnival makes its birth and wherever it, it ends up uh, going to. Um, however, other than that, you know of a couple of random acts that they have. You know they deal a lot with like wild animals in their shows. Uh, they have traditional circus acts like uh, acrobatics, high-flying trapeze, um, clowns, which you've now seen at this point. Um, but the primary reason that you wanted to come here was an interesting figure that you had heard of by the name of Mara Brightburn. 
who is a well, the way that they describe her, she is a she's like a prophet of the moon. Um, and that's kind of what you've heard. That's also what you've heard, Ruby. Uh, and being with them as well, Luna, you would know as well uh, that there's this interesting prophet figure who seems to um, have some type of divine or uh, just really weird esoteric insight onto people's lives, uh, which is part of the reason why you've sought out the circus. Um, she's rumored, I would say, with an 11, you would probably also know that there are a couple of rumors that are floating around her. Uh, one of Some people think that she's secretly a blood magic practitioning um, necromancer who yeah, steals people's like parts of their essence when they come in and give her a reading. Um, other people <laughs> say that she is secretly a worshiper of the dark star that is in the sky and she draws power from that to give people misfortune. Um, other people say that she is a worshiper of uh, both sides of the moon, light and dark, uh, and that part of her power comes from the fact that she's able to um, take the good with the bad, the wheel with the woe. Um, lots of different myth. There's mystery surrounding this particular figure. No one knows what she is, uh, which speaking of Everly and Tornog, the time you've spent with Mara, uh, one of the things that's interesting to you guys at this point is you don't, you haven't had many interactions with her. She's very insular and she's very, uh, isolated with how she deals with everybody. Um, she, there's been speculation between you two as to what she is, because there are times when she looks like she might be human. Um, there are times when she looks like she might be elf, uh, elven in nature, have fey features. Um, her appearance kind of changes depending on when you go to see her. Um, but the best that you've been able to pin down is she's something that you don't understand. She has a, a bluish pale gray coloration to her skin and black eyes with, uh, blue, uh, cornea. She's very, very interesting looking. She tends to drape herself in many, many, uh, like a cloak with lots of layers uh, that is varying shades of blue, purple, and black and gray. Um, and she's always burning incense when you go into her, uh, her tent or her wagon, depending on where she's at. Um, what I don't want she is? Uh, make a... I'll let you do either history or arcana. Whatever's better for you to try to figure this out. They are identical, and I rolled an 11. Total? Yeah. Uh, the few times you've seen her, which have been less than Tornog and Everly, uh, you... I'm trying poorly done renditions of her to show me this. <laughs> I've been like, what does this look like to you? Which actually, yeah, I can actually, sh I can show you. What she looks like. Where is she? Uh, there she is. Mara Brightburn. This is Mara for you guys that have actually seen her. Um, she is... I mean... It's weird for you. 
um, Madcap because you you get a vibe about people, humanoids when you you meet them and you kind of like you can gauge a, sort of some things about them. Uh, yeah, but the reading the reading that you get from her is clouded. You have no idea what she is other than the fact like if you okay if we were going based on first instincts you would think she's some type of servant of a lich or something like that because that skin coloration uh the enigmatic way that she talks to people and kind of the the rituals that she kind of takes part in to you screams like some type of weird dark priestess um other than that like and then you realize to yourself like that's how rumors get started (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like straight up, that's how rumors get started. Um, you don't get a beat. You don't get a read from her as to what she may or may not be. Um, other than that, though, uh, maybe some matter of Asilar. Potentially, uh, Chester kind of looks over. Well, I once again, I don't mean to. Um, I don't mean to pry. That's not what I was here for. But I just wanted to know if you'd be sticking around potentially for the foreseeable future. Uh, yes, if uh, if there's work and if... Uh... Oh, there's work. And he looks over at Morpheus. Uh, Morpheus was... I was just telling him about... And Morpheus kind of steps up and says, Well, he says he has a problem with the local animals here. They're acting weird. Um, there's been reports of, I believe you've said ghosts as well, and Chester says, yes, yes, there's been reports of ghosts near the graveyard, but the one that's it's really, really freaking me out is, is the animals. They're, they're acting strange. Um, there've been reports of, of dead things being found in places that they shouldn't. Right now, just dead animals, uh, although that's not necessarily true, and Morpheus kind of looks over at him. <sighs> Chester kind of like hops off of the table and starts to pace and says, Morpheus, I know you said you would, you had a suggestion for those who would help us and Morpheus says, I have, I have a few figures in mind who I think might be able to gain insight as to what's going on, but you were just about to tell me something interesting when this crew came here. And he says, yes, 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 yes. I was about to go into that. See, Two days ago, a child, well, there's no easy way of putting this, a child was dispatched. He was, unfortunately, he was killed uh, near the, the city wall. Uh, <laughs> a, the one witness we have that saw what did this to him was some bird-like creature that flew in from the outskirts, came down, dove on the child, attempted to lift him into the air, and then dropped him on the ground. He was still motionless. The guards rushed over, and by that time it was too late. That's not uncommon. And Morpheus kind kind of shakes his head. Monstrous attacks... Yeah. Monstrous attacks happen here. That that we're it's the mist for God's sakes we can't control it. Um, what happened next is the problem. Uh, we found some chickens, other birds that had broken free from their pen, 
and while we were preparing the body to be moved and preparing the grave for the child the chickens two of them ran in and ripped off two of his fingers stole them yeah the chickens are are Cajun yeah and began to (laughs) swallow them feast on them and of course the, the guards after they got over their shock immediately killed the creatures um Oh, well, thanks. Uh, well, I mean, you can't have ravenous chickens eating people running around. They had turned to attack the guards before the guards moved on them and then took care of them, but... Uh, sure can't. <laughs> of, uh, it's been two days' time. It's high time chickens had their turn. Yeah, <laughs> right? If, if Legend of Zelda has taught us anything, fuck those chickens. Um... I, I asked. Here's in her voice. I hear new people. <laughs> yeah, you 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 would actually hear that. Yeah, um, Chester kind of you hear uh, Madcap's voice resonate in your head. I think when Tornog hears that, she's still trying to get used to having somebody else living in her head rent free. Yeah. <laughs> so she kind of like does one of those like. Like she's trying to listen into their conversation. She's trying to deal with the cats, and she's trying to make it look like nothing's. Like she's not eavesdropping, so she's starting to get overstimulated. Yeah. Oh, Everly, you hundred percent notice Tornog start to like essentially twitch, like as she's like her, two hundred cuticles down a bit. Right. She's like, and you're like looking over at the cats, and you're like, yeah, yeah, no, no, Fernando, don't do that. And then you kind of like glance over towards the like just like a quick glance over towards the the tent, and then. Everly, you see her kind of do like that, which you've seen her do before. Um, then she kind of refocuses on the cat and but briefly looks down at the box that she has that she kind of carries with her a lot of the time now. Um, and then I mean, she like gives it like three little, like just shut up, right? <laughs> like taps? Stop it. Yeah, stop it. You know that sound, Mad Cat. It's not the first time you've heard it. Um, She's trying to, trying to, she's trying to ward you off. Um, Chester, at this point, turns and says, "It's since then. Well, the animals were acting weird before then, but, 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 but since then, reports of weird things have been happening with a lot of the other animals here. Um, certain pets that the, the village is keeping, uh, the livestock that we have here in the city are acting strange." Um, they're up at different points when they should be sleeping, sleeping when they should be awake, um, more aggressive towards their owners. Something weird is happening. It's something we're unfamiliar with. Uh, Morpheus, I know you said, and Morpheus kind of waves his hand and says, no, I, I have, uh, two figures just outside the tent over there who are, uh, might even be listening in right now. Hold on. <laughs> Didn't, didn't roll high enough. Um, or maybe maybe they've overheard some of the conversation. Maybe not. Maybe they're busy. But uh, I know that we have two, let's call them beast tamers, that might be able to glean something about these creatures. Uh, it's weird and kind of fortuitous that we have, we have showed up. We've noticed on our travels here 
weird things with with the animals as we were getting closer to Purdue. Creatures acting like they shouldn't. My um, eyes and ears that assist me in protecting the caravan relayed some important things to me when we were traveling here that I can go into details later. Uh, but yes, uh, I, I will introduce you to Tornog and Everly here shortly after we conclude this conversation. Uh, and he turns to Chester and Chester says, Quite. Uh, would you be interested in helping us solve this particular mystery? Absolutely. Um, I is know. There any, is there any... Is there any leads you'd like us to start with? Like, does this happen at a particular part of the day or after some sort of loud event like the carnival? I mean, Is that when it started? No, 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 no. It, it, it didn't start with the carnival a few days beforehand, but uh, you could always go... There are a couple of different things. I know this isn't as exciting as you're probably used to, grand adventurers such as yourself. You have a look about you, but this is... Uh, this is what I can t- can offer you. There is, you could check out the 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 spot where the kid was, um, young Anthony was um, slain. Uh, potentially his his body, his grave. Uh, there are a couple of other of, of other um, residents here who have animals that you could look at that have been acting weird. I can give you a list uh, about those. Um, uh, probably the best figure to talk to would be our local uh, local huntsman, the master huntsman. Uh, oh my goodness! Uh, yes, of course, you should definitely talk to Valtog. Uh, Valtog Moonsworn. He lives on the the furthest edge of town, uh, near the this would be the southern wall. Um, I will. I, sh- I shall show you to him. He is our, our master huntsman. He he. He's very accomplished at dealing with the animals here, and even he seems to be unease at what's transpiring. Um, oh my goodness! I didn't show you to, didn't ask if you wanted a place to stay. Do you, are you planning on staying on your ship? But you want to stay at the hotel? So I've, I ignored common courtesy and rushed you into this, this our problems when I haven't even given proper hospitality. The ship should be fine. You will stay on the ship. Are you sure? Say. Luna, we'll have plenty of time on the ship. Um, we were just on there just for ten days. You don't want to what? I just don't want to throw it. <laughs> it's my baby. Don't worry, I have the best security. And Theron winks at you. <laughs> the best security I can conjure. Um, We'll stay at an inn if that is uh, not a problem uh, to you and uh, the people around. No, 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 that's perfectly fine. To be honest, you're not the, the weirdest people we, we have in town. The Valtog, the, the one I just mentioned, um, probably make the people more uneasy than, than you will. Uh, although, like I said, you two, Luna and, and Ruby, you noticed that they were the, the town residents did not seem happy with you there. Um, and uh, he, he's just like, I have, I have a couple of different spots you may be able to stay at. And as he's saying that, you hear a loud crash, <laughs> and you look over and you see um, tons of crates and prop work uh, has been knocked over as three goblins 
have rolled, tumbled into them, currently engaged in fisticuffs, literally fighting each other, fist fighting, slapping, pulling on body parts. Uh, and as you can, like, as you watch the tumble occur and as them start to, like, scramble up and, like, throw the other one to the ground, uh, you can see that um, that at the backside of one of the goblins, um, some type of brush... Uh, probably the makeup brush that the dude was using to to um, finish up his makeup is stuck up the backside of one of the goblins. Um, yeah, you can see that one of the other goblins is currently like his eye is swollen and closed, and you can see tears streaming from it. Uh, and you can see the other goblin is now missing a tooth. The one. Presumably, that was laughing hysterically on the ground. Uh, as they are all now engaged in a fight with one another, you see Morpheus, his eyes roll, and he turns towards um, the three goblins that are currently fighting on the ground. He says, oh, you are embarrassing me in front of the new people. Please calm down. He kind of extends his hand outwards, and then you hear, ah! Coming from behind you, outside of the tent. Tornog, Everly. As you're standing there, training, you hear um, the gates open up. Not long after uh, the conversation with Chester, Morpheus, and the crew has started to commence, you hear the gates open up. You see a woman walking what looks to be a group of five dogs, all leashed, walking them outside of the walls of the town. Um, presumably to do their business, you're assuming. Um, they pass right by the front of the tent. No concerns. You're doing your routine, listening. You get that voice in your head, Tornog. You slap it away mentally. Tap on the box, stop it. Everly, you watch this transpire. And then you see, you, Everly, would see with your passive perception, the woman return about four or five minutes later walking back towards the gate. You see one of the dogs, the front one, the biggest one of the crew, uh, its head kind of turns sideways and it begins to growl. And it looks like it's looking towards the direction of the gate. As you see, the gate has already swung open. Um, there's a guard who is standing there uh, kind of looks at the dog and begins to level his spear. And you see the dog kind of arch its head backwards, its neck twisting at an odd angle. You hear crack, crack, crack as its bones begin to snap. You see its head arc up and back and around into the ceiling, to the sky. You see its jaws open wide. You can see its tongue start to lash outward and stick straight up into the sky as its head snaps to the left, violently snaps to the right. You see a gash beginning to appear at the top of its skull, a crack that begins to spread all the way down the front of its head, through its jawline, all the way down to its neck. You see its mouth open up and slime and viscous blood material and muscle begin to part and you see its teeth begin to elongate and snap and pull to the side. You see it in the most violent way possible begin to grow 
and split its head into two separate heads as the muscle mass and the bone and the, the teeth begin to reshape on one side and violently grow and expand outwards. You see its mouth open wide and the other mouth close tight. As it begins to shake, you can see parts of its skin rip off in fur and expose muscle mass as it kind of grips into the ground and flex its muscles growing <laughs> on each side, its back end beginning to expand. As the woman who is standing there in shock screams you see the lead dog turn around grab her bite into her torso and rip a chunk out of it i need we all to roll initiative it's time to fight oh oh yeah i got 22 all right is it minus 2 or 2 uh, that's minus 2 <laughs> oh no <laughs> Him. Very slow. Yeah, no, definitely do that. Huh? <laughs> uh, what's your DC? Uh, Twenty-two. All right. Everyone rolled. Thirty twenty. Thirty twenty. So what's that total? That's total thirty twenty. Dirty? Yeah. Dirty, dirty. No, okay. 20 total. Dirty, 20. Dirty, dirty, 20 total? Dirty, 20 total. Uh, Everly, what'd you get? 22. Re Ruby? 25. 25. Hey, I'm first. Yeah. Theron? 22. 22. Oh my god, you high rolling bastards. Luna? 23. 23 and Tornog? Zero. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a two and I have a negative two. Okay, so, wow. Don't get um, <laughs> wow. So, Ruby, you hear a scream erupt from outside, and the unmistakable sound, probably about from where you guys are at inside, uh, probably about 50 feet away, 40 to 50 feet away, you hear the unmistakable sound of um, someone being hurt, injured, uh, and possibly... You hear like a crunching sound that you're unfamiliar with um, coming from the area you just entered in from not too long ago. Oh, which reminds me. Uh, here in a second, I will bring up your Hailspire so you can see specifically what's going on. Uh, yeah. But at this point... While Ruby is deciding on what she wants to do in this situation. Basically, right. I will run out my 30 feet towards the whatever screaming and crunching. All right, <laughs> screaming and crunching. Perfect. Um, so, let's switch it over to, uh, to Tailspire. Let's grab Tailspire, since it's actually showing, for some reason, Tristania. I don't know why it's doing that on my screen, but we will. Are you going to load Tailspire, or are you fucking with me? What is going on? Change windows. That's fine. Everyone can go to the bathroom if they need to right now as I get this set up for you guys. Tellspire, what are you doing? Of course, Tellspire is fucking up right now. Why would you? Why would you not? Um, 
Wait, wait, though. I think I forgot something, Jason. Uh-huh. I got an fancy whip. You have advantage on initiative rolls. Yeah. Yes, you do. That's a good thing you remembered that. Um, Does that mean I roll again? Yeah, roll again, another d20. And pray you don't... Pray you don't get a zero. Okay, so now I got a, a four. Oh, no, two. So two total. Okay. I can't roll past the ten. Oh, no. <laughs> then then you, this session is going to get very interesting for you. Um, one moment. It's sometimes, sometimes it happens. And then usually what happens in those situations is that individual pops off in a big way. Um, so let me update your initiative, which is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you're like, can I just get like something, something a little bit better than what that is? Um, so let's see, uh, let's go with this. Um, yeah, so that's that's also very good. It's good to remember. Uh, so you're, you guys are not technically caught off guard, which is great. Uh, let me. That's loading in. So let's see if Telspar will actually go into. Ah, there we go. Telspar. Uh, can. You... Uh, Brenda, let's move it over here for you. Yeah. And that's still working, so that's good. Let me make sure that that's doing what it's supposed to do. Okay. Perfect. I'm actually going to move that right here just to just to be safe. Um, and what we'll do in this situation, because it is what it is, we will uh, we'll change the setting to this right now. Uh, make it look a little bit better. Okay, so Ruby, are you? What did you say you were doing on your turn? Well, move up till I can see what's going on. Okay, so you're probably gonna have to double move to do so. Uh, that would get you. Uh, I would say you can move about 35 feet to get right here. Uh, so let's actually drop your character in, which is beautiful. That I can. Uh, figure out how to do this since I haven't used it in, you know, since a week. Um, so you're Elvin. So we will do... Um, yeah, that'll work for right now. There we go. So you come out the, the doorway after moving about 35 feet. Uh, you can see that uh, the leashes of these dogs as they are kind of like vibrating in place and their muscles are beginning to expand uh, have been dropped and these what looks to be from your vantage point let me see what you can actually see uh, you would be able to see that uh, there are one two three dogs that would actually be in your line of sight that you could actually see see with one kind of glancing off into the peripheral other than the big one you can see this big dog is now hunched over this prone female form and is starting to rip into the figure while this guard is like grabbing his spear. Uh, you can see the gates are slamming shut behind him and a porculus is dropping down uh, as the guard like takes his spear and begins to move towards this huge, massive, six foot long, two headed dog um, while these other lesser, like smaller uh, canine shapes are beginning to morph and transfigure themselves into something different. Okay, so I had to use my action to get 
far enough out to see anything, right? Yeah, you'd have to use part of your action, yeah. Movement and action. Yeah, movement and action. Well, I don't want to let things, you know, eat people. That seems awful. So, that's... The only thing I can do as a bonus action that'll help anything is a, I'll bust out my spiritual weapon. Okay. Yep. So where are you putting that? So 20 feet away from you? Oh my god. Uh. So spiritual weapon. Uh, let's do construct spiritual weapon. Uh, so you can do it at a 20 foot distance, which means from your location it'll be five. Are oh, these? These are not five foot squares. These are 10 foot. So it'd be five, 10. 15, 20. You could get it right. You could get it in this vicinity to hit one of these two creatures if you wanted to. Okay, can I get it to the one that seems to be eating a woman? Oh, wait. It's 60 foot when you summon initially, isn't it? 20 yeah. foot movement. 100% you could get it to that creature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's put it in fly mode so it actually looks like it's a spiritual weapon. All right, all right, all right, all right. So make your attack against the, the big man. Okay. So because we'll just, this is the first time I think I'm doing this. A large sword made of seemingly out of the sapphire gemstone is falling out of the sky to attack this dog. Ooh, okay. That's dope. I like it. Yep, yep. All right. Uh, this would be... See if it hits anything. Probably not. It's only a 14. 14? Uh... 14 just hits. Oh, okay. Six points of, I guess it's force damage. Force damage, alright. Six points of force damage. As you bring the sapphire sword down onto the creature, um, it it's a glancing blow. It's moving a lot. Um, but it does clip the side of the creature and it kind of stops its feeding and looks back towards the direction of this thing that attacked it with one head and the other head continues to feed, although it begins to growl and look up towards the guard um, that is directly in front of it. Okay, so that'd be your bonus. Are you going to move anymore? You still have the rest of your movement, which I believe would be 25. Uh, yeah, just a little further out so I'm not blocking the entrances or anything. Okay, so like right over here? That'll do. Okay. Uh, Jason, the stream is not showing your tail spire. It's just a black screen. Why must it do this to me? Now is it showing it? There you go. Oh, it was. Now it is. Yeah. Okay. I did I did not do it, I swear. Now it's not. Now it's not. Yeah, I know. It's so fun. I love when OBS acts really weird. Okay. And by the way, that was sarcasm. Um, is it working now? Yeah. Okay, I'm trusting you guys. All right, so next up is Luna with a 23. Luna! You see Ruby immediately take off running, and you see a flash of energy as she puts her hand forward, as you can see out the door. Um, from your location, you were standing near her, so it would, yeah, it'd be about 35 feet to get outside. So what you doing? Oh, that's a lot of dogs. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple. There's a few. There's okay. a few. Um, so Luna sees that. Uh-huh. Looks around, sees Ruby. Kind of like, what should I do? Um, Luna's going to... 
cast Bane. So you're going to run 35 feet and then cast Bane? Yes, please. Okay, so who are you targeting with your Bane? There's three, so probably the... The first, the first three right here. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's change their. Um, can I change their base color? I can. They will be baned. Uh, they, they will be red on the bottom, signifying that they are in fact baned. They are baned. How dare you bane them? Oh wait, they have to make saves. They have to make saves first. It's uh, what's the save on it for the for the bane? So, your Bane, up to three creatures of your choice that uh -huh. you can see within range must make charisma saving throws whenever a target that fails to oh, this saving throw makes an attack roll or saving throw before the spell ends. The target must roll a d4 and subtract the number yeah. rolled from the attack roll or saving throw. First one failed. Ooh, with a 19 naturally, the second one succeeds, so I'll take that off here in a second. And then a 15, does a 15 save? Uh... It's charisma fifteen. Yeah. Oh, so it just saves. Okay. Yeah. So you did get one. You did get one of them, um, but these two out on the out, the one that's closest to you, gets the bane. The other two, they resist it. Okay. Uh, that's your okay. that's your action. What's your movement speed? Is it like forty? It's forty. Yeah, of course. So you have five <laughs> more feet. You have five more feet of movement that you can step out here or here, and then you still have your bonus action. Which yeah, way? I'll move out there. This way? Towards yeah, Ruby? That way. Okay. And then you have your bonus action if you want to do anything yeah, with I'm that. I'm just trying to figure out what I do. Yep. Because um, new characters. Yeah. New part. characters are fun. <laughs> um, Alright. I will set up Tornog and Everly here shortly while he's figuring out what he wants to do. So. For, uh, um, shield of Faith is a... Is that a bonus action? action? There you go, douche, yeah, Shield of Faith. Yeah! Yeah! And on Ruby. Alright, so on Ruby? Ruby, you have yeah. uh, plus two bonus to your AC. Boom, boom. Boom, <laughs> boom, 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 Phil. Boom, boom. I need to find a good figure for... Oh, there we go. That's perfect. That will be a nice druidic human figure for uh, Everly and for... Um, uh, oh 60 God. feet away, is that close enough? 60 feet away? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So she goes out, casts Bane, uh, runs further, sees Ruby's fighting one, and kind of does a little hand wiggle, casts... Shield of Faith. Yeah, and that would be... A shimmering field appears and surrounds a creature of Ooh. your choice. All right. So that would be... Um... Oh, my God. Big woman. <laughs> <laughs> so, so big woman. So, yeah. So that would be your bonus action, action, and movement. Okay. Uh, yeah. So next up, we have Everly. Uh, Everly, you hear the screams. You look and see that down the pipe, um, there is a creature ripping into a woman. Into a yeah, you'd be standing. Oh, I'm tiny. <laughs> yeah. Well, next to the big woman. Well, I mean, she is only like five four anyway. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> How far away is the attack? Um, you're gonna get. Oh, you know what? We can do it. We can do it. We have rulers. 
We have the technology. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we have the technology. Um, from what you can see, the attack is about probably about a hundred and no, it's five foot tiles. Pardon me. Yeah, no, that's right. About one hundred and fifteen feet away. It's very far away. Yep. But I can see it. Uh, yeah, from your vantage point right here, you can see that there is okay. stuff going down. Well, I'll run my 40 feet. All right. Learn it. 10, 20, 30, 40. 10, 20, 30, 40. Within 90 feet, yes. Uh, let's see. She said you would need a Jason square. And you know what we do? We use the ruler again. Bada bing, <laughs> bada boom. I mean, if it's there, you got to use it. Right. Uh, 18 times five. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's based on tiles, but each tile is five feet. So you just got to do mass, which I know sucks, but 18 times five, ladies and gentlemen, that's 90. <laughs> that's part, bang on. Okay. And tangle. What kind of save is it? Strength. Strength save. I don't know if it's much of a dog anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I got an 11, so it is it is entangled. So we'll make it greeny. We'll make it all greeny with the base. Anything within 20 feet of that cup is... Oh, no. You don't get to choose? Well, it's just within 20 feet of, like, of a... Oh, fuck. Okay. Anybody within 20 feet of that doggy that she hit. Yep, so that means... Let me do... Um, let me do a quick ruler over here. Okay, so that dog is out of the way. So it would be this dog, uh, and the two... And the guard, and the actual woman, which the woman does not need to make a save for. Uh, so the dog failed. Uh, the other dog... Uh, succeeds with an 18. Uh, the guard. Ooh. That's, that's booty. Guard, what did you do? Guard, you suck. Okay, so the guard's entangled. So the guard with the spear is now entangled Sorry. right next to the dog, the big boy. Uh, did I, I didn't change his base, so let's change his base. Uh, to a nice, lovely green. The, the guard also is entangled. Okay, they're both entangled. Uh, and they're restrained. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, they're restrained. <laughs> that was your, your action. What are you doing with your bonus? Uh, no. Nothing? Uh, it's up to you. You have wild shape. You have a bunch of stuff, don't you? Or is wild shape an action? Nope. She no, can do it. Bonus a bonus action. for you, yeah. Everly has 40 feet for run speed, too. Man. Fucking. Um, it's hard to tell because of the vantage point. You see a form on the ground. It's like, it's, what's your dark vision? I don't think I have any. Oh, you, yeah, you can't, you, you, actually give me a perception check. Because it's low light. It's not dark vision. It's low light. But give me a perception. 
Poop? Uh, <laughs> 11? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't tell. There's a form on the ground. Probably still moving. You're just like... Yep. You're like, stop, stop moving so I can come over there. I mean, you, you can't really tell at this point if it's the vines that have popped up from the Entangled spell that are moving or if it's the body. I'll just wait. You're waiting? Okay, next up is Theron. Uh, Theron, you see Ruby quickly run, and not far behind her, Luna, just dash out. Where am I? Uh, you were around, well, you were actually further than them because you were sitting with Chester. So you're about, you're about ten feet away, uh, five feet away from the other two. So it took you about forty feet of movement to get outside. All right, um, I guess I will have to, uh... I get to finally say it. Can I start my blade dance? Okay, yes, you can. You can start your blade dance. Uh, yes. So that brings your movement up to forty, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, with forty feet, you can literally just get right there with your uh, with your bonus action and your movement. So you get right there. Uh, you see, um, one, two, three, four dogs, one of them being super large, vines currently wrapping around uh, the bigger dog and a guard. Uh, you can see that there is the dog that's closest to you, the smaller one, if you can call it a dog, it's beginning to shift into a different form. Um, you can see that it's got this like weird blackish, actually it's more like a grayish glow to it, uh, like around its eyes. Hmm. All right, all right. Um, I, ooh, you're dancing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, uh, you guys see Theron. He is uh, his movement has definitely changed. He's gotten a lot faster. It seems like, and it seems um, as though his body is almost flowing like water. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually gonna dash towards uh, the one on the left. The furthest one. Oh, okay, so you're going to action to dash? Yeah. So this one right here? Other way, other way. Oh, you're going for this one? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so you're right there, 10, 20, 30, yeah, 35, so you get there. Okay, stay put? Yep, stay put. Alright, next up we have the guards. And I say guards, plural, because there, as you run forward, you see that on the other side of the uh, portcullis, as the um, doors are being shut, you can see that there are two guards on the opposite side of the doors that are looking like they're going to close close them, and they have spears ready, though, watching what's going on. The other guard, who is restrained, uh, has no choice but to make... Um, he's going to make a spear attack against the dog, with advantage, because the dog is restrained. Or oh, wait. He's restrained. Does restrained affect your attack rolls? It does. Yeah. So it's just a flat roll. Uh, so that would be the guard rolls a 12 to hit, which does not hit. He tries to, like, wrench the spear free that's currently wrapped up in the vines and shove it forward, and the dog kind of just, like, clamps down on the spear for a second. Uh, he's restrained. He cannot move. Um, Madcap, you're up. Uh, as you hear commotion... You hear screams from inside the box. Sounds entertaining. (laughs) It it sounds like a lovely time. It does. It sounds fun. Why am I not out yet? Why am I not out yet? 
and I'll uh, cast mage armor on myself. And, okay. Uh, pull out some knives. <laughs> <laughs> like a serial killer. Ugh. All right. So Madcap is is wait. You can't hold your action to to dash if you want to when you come out. Or you can. Oh no, because you did mage armor. Pardon me, I forget. It's not a bonus action. All right. So next up then is the greater uh, the wolf, the greater dog, death dog, as it were. Um, it is going to since it <laughs> since it can't move uh, in this situation because it is restrained. Um, Tail Spire, why are you acting so weird? There we go. Uh, it is going to make uh, an attack against the guard. Um, so, first attack. Uh, that's a, that's not going to hit, because that's a 9 total. Uh, second attack. Uh, that is a... That misses. So the guard kind of uses the spear to... To kind of stick it, it up into the, the dog's mouth as two of its heads try to bite onto him. He kind of jams the spear into both of the, the mouths and stops it from hitting him. Uh, all right, next up are the uh, other dogs. The dog. So this one is going to make an attack against you. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, that's a 16. No. Misses. <sighs> Tries to bite you. Uh, this one is going to run up behind you and flank you and attack with advantage. Okay. Uh, I rolled a 12 for both of those, so 16 again. So misses. Uh, this one is going to run over here uh, towards you two. Uh, this one will as well. 10, 20, 30. Oh, yeah. Um Okay, one of them is going to make an attack against uh, Ruby and one against Luna. First attack. That's that's so Ruby. That's a seven. Uh, that's a seven to hit misses, uh, and then a sixteen to hit you, Luna. That that oh, that misses. Misses. Yeah. So <laughs> they all the dogs they run at you and just try to bite, and you guys are kind of fending them off. Uh, next up would be Tornog. Tornog, you see Everly run up and hold her hand out and a greenish light suffuses on her hand. And then she kind of like looks over and can't, you can see she's squinting trying to see what's over there. Oh, okay, big, so big woman. I'm not close enough to hit anything from where I am. Nope, not yet. Alright, so would I have to dash to get there or can I just... Yeah, so you would, you're... You would have to do 10, 20, 30, and then you'd have to dash through here. Uh, and then that would be another, let's see, 10, 20, 30 would put you about right here. Um, yeah, you're still like, you're still from where you just ran. You're almost there. You probably got another round. Uh, with your range on your weapon, though, that would put you there. And 20 feet range would be... Yeah, within a within a round, you could get into attacking range. Um, so yeah, you double, you dash, and you're like, boom, 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 and you're running through that side panel between the uh, the actual. Oh my god, why did I do that? Between the actual uh, tent and the wall, 
making your way towards what you can clear, like you can see now as you get within that 60 foot range, uh, you can see there is a woman on the ground with a, a fairly large wound that's gaping and bleeding, uh, covered, currently covered up in vines. Um, you what? I can do... You need smash your fire since the goblins will have a brush in his butt. Yeah. Yeah, the goblin still does have a... Well, I mean, it might have came out during the fight. You'll have to tell... You'll be able to tell when you go back in. Uh, what did you say you are going to do? Um, so, I said... I, I dashed, and then I have action surge. Yes. So would I be able to add tap out of the box on, like, like the dashing turn? Uh, your, your bonus action can let him out of the box, so you don't even have to blow an action surge to do that. Okay, so as she's running, she's gonna do 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 Okay, so, so dash. Okay, so right here. Okay, um, yeah, no, you're, 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 you're close. You're very close. Next round, you definitely will be able to attack. Um, as you get, because with your, well, with your action surge, that grants you another action, which you can use to, to move again. So, yeah, so essentially it's, it's, uh, move action, then Dash and then action surge to dash again. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what kind of action is it to draw a shield? Um, that can be a part of drawing a weapon, which is a f uh, which is a free action. Um, the only problem is if you're doing versatile, then you lo you you can't draw your shield again until next turn. So, because you're attacking with both things and leaving yourself open, then you have to retract, and then you can. Switch the weapon to one hand and grab the shield. So to to don a shield like that after you've attacked versatility, it's the next round. And then okay, well that's your turn. Then we're back to the top of the round, which would be Ruby. All right. Side note: I can't seem to get the uh, D and D Beyond overlay working on Twitch. If anyone else. Has it up? <laughs> uh, I can. I think that actually has to be tailored before we do the stream, um, which we can actually like once we start streaming, you can mess with it in the settings. Um, so that will be something that you. Can, I think you can actually go into the our account right now, Cam, and fuck with the uh, the stuff on the actual dashboard. Should be a. a Trying, you know, wasn't it won't let you do it. Okay, I'll I'll mess with it. I'll mess with it before the next uh, session. Yeah, I thought no I thought it would auto load, but apparently no. Um, oh, you know what? That that makes sense then, because we just ended that other campaign. So we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. Ruby, Ruby, what you doing? Doing? Okay, I will. How far am I now from the mayhem? From your, I mean, there are two dogs on you. Oh, okay. <laughs> from the actual lead dog, you're about about 40, 45 feet away. Okay. 40 feet away. 
it obviously didn't hit me, so. You running? Uh, no. I will, um, for now, let's see. At the one that seems to still be trying to eat the lady, uh-huh. I will hit it with a sacred flame. Okay, so that's dexterity save? Yes. That's not good. It's also restrained, which really doesn't affect its <laughs> dexterity saving throws. Nothing matter. It's a twelve. Um, so yeah, it's okay. it's taking full damage. Uh, seven <laughs> radiant damage. Seven radiant damage as you conjure up a beautiful silvery light fire that kind of expands. It generates on the creature's fur. You see it kind of move away from it and look back with one of its heads towards you. And then for my bonus action, my sword in the sky will attack as well. All right. It's with advantage because it is restrained. I got a natural 20. Oh, no. Okay. I think it's still only at 8. Oh, no. This poor creature. All it ever did was eat a woman. Uh, <laughs> ten more damage. Ten? Yep. All right. As the sword once again strikes down, actually hitting the, a good portion of its flank, you see it cut open a wound. Um, you see that as the wound begins to open, you can see... I would say, what's your... Your passive perception is above a 15, right? Yeah, 16. So as the... Um, the light. And I can see in the dark, no matter how dark it is. That's true, because of your. You definitely see this as the uh, the sacred thing burns off a portion of the fur that's in that area, and the sword comes down and attacks the newly exposed area. You see, um, as the the skin begins to separate, you see some type of wiggling tendrils underneath its flesh begin to kind of eke out of the wound, and they're like a pale white coloration. It almost looks like worms. Um, so just at the end of my turn, I will say, you. <laughs> That's your, are you staying put? Yeah. All right, Luna, you're up. There's a, there's a doggo on you. There's two doggos on you. Like right on me? Yeah. Like, here you are. Here's the two doggos. Yep. Luna's prepared for this moment. Been prepared for it all my life. Let's see. Um, Cam isn't. Yeah, Cam's not prepared. <laughs> Cam is not. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um. I am going to shoot. Uh, would I be at disadvantage shooting them point blank? Not with the not with the gunner feet. You're not no. <laughs> yep. So, essentially, the dog runs up to you, tries to bite, you sidestep, and at the same time, you pull out one of your pistols and put it towards its head. Okay. Uh, roll an attack. We're doing it. All right. <laughs> Does a 25? Yeah, that, that definitely hits. <laughs> um, yep. That poor bastard. Okay, this would be dog D. All right. Dog dead. I mean, it, it's kind of hard. I mean, it kind of is already, yeah. <laughs> Death is in the name of this dog, I will say that. 
What'd you get for damage? Fourteen. Fourteen points of damage. Uh, you take and, uh, you take a shot, and its head twitches out of the way of one of its heads, and you kind of graze its neck, and it. And you can see now that that as the dog ran up to you, it sprouted an additional head, and you look over, and you can see that all of the other dogs now have two heads as well. Um, that's your action. Um, are you martial arts? Are you doing martial arts? Oh, like spending some key? No, you don't have to spend key. You can do a bonus action to melee attack as a because that's a that's, yeah, your gun's a monk weapon. <laughs> okay, um, it's a dedicated that's weapon. Flurry of blows. Or... You can if you want to spend a key point, you can make two more unarmed strikes. Do it. I want to. Okay. All right. <laughs> So you fire the gun, and as it kind of moves, you take this advantage to bring your uh, knee up and do like a double knee strike to its jaw. Okay, roll your first attack. Twenty-two hit. Twenty to, yeah, that definitely hits. And a seventeen. Seventeen hits as well. Yeah, both of those hit. <laughs> so roll your damage for that. I believe it's. Is it D4 right now? Yeah, 1D4 plus 5. So it would be 2D4 plus 10. Uh, 14. 14 total. Another 14 points of damage. Uh, as you bring up both knees, pop, pop, you kick each of its heads. They rear backwards and kind of... Uh, I, they look... I mean, there's blood leaking out from their, the mouth sound, the gash on its neck in between uh, where you shot. Um, and it kind of like ducks down low and starts to <laughs> at your legs. But that's your action of bonus. Are you staying put? Um, you know what? I'm gonna m- move away. I think. Okay. Which direction? You're moving back. Back, yeah. Okay. How how far? Which way you want to uh, go? Yeah, actually, that's good. Okay, so you're going to step away. It's going to provoke attacks of opportunity from both. Yeah. All right, the first one, uh, that that's uh, that's going to be uh, six. Uh, so that misses. <laughs> Don't abuse it. Natural 20 for the second. Oh. <laughs> so I don't, I don't even have to roll the D4 for the Bane because that's a natural 20, baby. So um, <laughs> you're going to you're gonna take uh, from this guy. From this guy, you're going to take uh, three points of piercing damage. Good. I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Okay. <laughs> uh, does an 18? Okay, you're fine. You're fine. That's good that you made that save. Uh, you do feel yeah. <laughs> You do feel as it bites into you, it nicks you on the way out. You feel something corrosive kind of enter into your bloodstream before you kind of shake it out. Um, you resist its effect. All right, so you moved back. Are, are, you, are you going any further or are you staying put? I am staying put. Okay, next up is Ever- um, Everly. I used one bullet, right? Yes, you did use one I bullet. I 399 left. <laughs> Fuck it, <laughs> Fucking dub dub. All right, <laughs> Everly, you're up. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, count all the bullets. It's good to know, though. I'm close enough to do anything. 
well, you have 40 feet of movement, so that mm-hmm. would get you from where you're currently at. Uh, 40 feet would be eight tiles, so that would get you right here next to Madcap as you see him appear from the box and then um, oh, hello. kind of tumble forward. Do you want to go there? Sure. All right, going right up next to the creepy guy. I'm still 50 feet from anything. Yep. So you basically run past um, Madcap just a little bit ahead of him. As you, he's gaunt enough to where you can easily squeeze by. Um, yeah, so you're about you're about fifty feet, most likely. I think you just did the math correct. Yeah, you're about you're, you're about forty five feet away from him. Nine tiles will be forty five. God, I love that ruler. Can I tell whether the lady is dead. Uh, make a perception check. <laughs> uh, but since you're a human, uh, no. I would have said you had to make the last one with disadvantage, but you rolled shitty anyway. This one you can make with regular roll. Except perception? Yeah. 18. 18. Um, she seems to be unmoving. It's going to be hard to tell if she's dead dead unless you do get close to make a medicine check. But she is definitely unmoving. So that was your movement. What are you going for? It's funny because when you actually get to see this figure. It looks. It makes it look like Tornog is Fiona in her uh, ogre form from Shrek. It does kind of kiss. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. <laughs> you know, you need to make a Shrek now. Yep. <laughs> if uh, Everly's gonna possibly waste a spell and try and cast Healing Word on the poor lady on the ground. Okay. Um... You reach out with the the healing magic, um, and you don't see the wounds re-knit. She seemingly is dead. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. First death. <laughs> I, I rolled damage for the death dog. I rolled the hit, which obviously it did. And then I rolled damage for the death dog, and it, it was way more than her health total. <laughs> It was, even with Max health, it was almost double her health total. So, yeah. Yeah, commoners are... They're weak! Yeah. <laughs> so, she got clapped up. Um, yes, the healing word does not work. Better uh, stick her in my bag of holding for safekeeping. Right? Make sure she... Yeah, you know, it's, it's cold storage, right? <laughs> That's not weird. <laughs> uh-huh. What you don't know is it's you know it's a cold storage unit. It's like cry, it's like a cryo chamber. It's right? a you can suffocate in a bag of holding. Therefore, it is an anaerobic environment. Yep. Therefore, she will not. Yeah, she will decay. <laughs> uh, that was your bonus action, Everly. What you doing with your action? 
You can hear at this point, Everly, as you like get close, you can hear that guard struggling with the vines. And he's like, get these, get these fucking vines off of me. <laughs> you got the guard too. She got the guard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I yelled, "Sorry," as I did it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't hear you. You're way too far away. Okay, you're dashing. Yeah. Okay, that'll put you within five feet. Are you moving like right in within range, or are you moving like off to the side? Uh, off to the side a bit. Okay, okay, about right there. So you blast past um, Tornog, um, who sees you run by. Um, okay, that's your turn, Theron. You're back up. Oh yeah. You're surrounded. Um. <laughs> Let's, uh, yeah, let's keep doing the dance. Okay. Um, we'll hit the one behind me with a booming blade. Okay. All right. Yeah, roll an attack roll. Give him the, the boominest of the blades. It doesn't have a hit die on D&D Beyond. That's so dumb. I know. Oh, I got a natural 20. Oh, shit. Oh, no. That's bad for that enemy. I oh, mean, fuck. It, it does nothing because I'm... I'm so low level. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But I will. I will do my. Yeah. Two d eight. Two d eight, and then if he if he moves, he gets boomed. Yeah, but it'd just be the one d eight. Yeah, it'd be the one d eight. I rolled two sixes, so seventeen. Um, seventeen points of damage, and then is he dead? The one that you just hit? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm gonna. I, it's low level, so I don't. Yeah. I don't you know. you you hit it, and like there's a moment where the people who are kind of like watching Theron with the passive perception that above a 15 would be able to see him like do this like ducking swooshing maneuver with the sword and bring it up, and there's like a vibration. Uh, the blade starts to like whistle and hum and vibrate, and then he hits the creature with it, and there's like a a sheen around the creature of, of energy, almost like a wavering, almost like the air is wavering around it. Okay. And then uh, I'm going to kind of move away from that one, but still stay within the uh, threatened square of uh, the one on my left, or the so one like, in front of me. Yeah. So like this direction? Yeah. I'll let him get attack of opportunity. Okay, he's going to attack of opportunity. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, see, and it wouldn't be flanking because you're moving out. Um, that's a 17. No. Misses. So, um, as you move out of the threatened square and move... Uh, would it be? You can do it however I would have to say, yeah, it is advantage, because you are in a threatened square when you're moving out of it. Uh, that doesn't matter. So, you move over here. Uh, he snaps at you with two of his heads and completely misses. All right? Um... Can I get directly... Right, yeah. Right there behind right, it? Yeah, yep. right there. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's my turn. Okay. Uh, next up is the guard, um, who is going to... He's going to try to break out of the vines. He's going to make a strength saving throw. Oh, a natural 19. You see him just rip out of those vines. And he, that's all. It's his entire turn. But he does get out of them. And you hear from behind the, the gates, the guards go, Get out of there! Get out of there! Um, next up is Madcap. 
Mr. Jackie, you are up. Oh, you were temporarily muted. My bad. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to uh, try and hop up onto that wall to get a better vantage point. Okay, make like move up onto the wall and then towards them as far as my movement will allow. Okay, make a let's do an athletics check to see if you can move because you have to do a running jump, so it'd be ten feet and then jump up. Would that not be acrobatics? Uh, no, this is pure leg strength. Acrobatics would be more if you're trying to flippy in the air, flippy flippy. Um, however, here's my question for you: What's your strength? Uh, plus five. Plus five. Strength of twenty. Three eight. Yeah, make an make an, an athletics check for me, really quick. Uh. Athletics, that'd be 14. You're fine. Just don't roll a natural one and you're good. Uh, as you <laughs> basically, you're, you jump up and you crest your waist just above the wall. And at the same time, you use your hands to push yourself up. So you move about 10 feet and then you have 20 feet left. So you can continue on that path. So that would be 20 feet. We'll put you right here. Boom. You get right there. With your 30. So you are within... Angled down. Uh, you're within 30 feet of Big Dog. Now, the brightness on Tailspire is really low, and uh -huh. I can't really see much of anything. Well, here's what I do for you guys. That's all you guys have to say. And then I do this. Boom. Boom. Exposure oh up. God. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exposure uh, up. Okay. Blade Dancer looks like he's doing okay. Mm -hmm. uh, who are the two by the tent? That's the... That would be... Uh, you don't recognize them, but that is uh, uh, Ruby and Luna. Those That's uh, Cam and uh, Becky's characters. Okay. Uh, well, that big fellow looks like he could use uh, some. I'll move this I'm going to. Uh... Am I within thirty feet of the big guy? You are. You're within. You're twenty five feet away from him. Cool. I'm a. They have to understand me. <laughs> Does he have to know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm going to attempt to uh, cast uh, hideous laughter on it. Okay, let's let's look at the. Oh my god, it's fitting that I used a uh, hyena for this. Yeah, exactly. I think um, you should just allow it. Just yeah, because he's a hyena. Um, creature of your choice. Let's see. 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 It just as a creature of your choice within the range that uh, perceives everything that's hilariously funny and falls to it. Yeah, straight up. Just gotta make a wisdom. It, it does say a creature with an intelligence score of four. Ooh, now let's see what happens here. Now let me check. So you cast hideous laughter. Yeah, they're dumb. Um, I'm trying to think of if I have any idea how fucking smart animals are. You, you wouldn't know given this particular situation because this has changed into something completely different. Uh, however, um, give, if, give me, what are you saying to it? <laughs> what are you trying to make, what are you trying to say to the doggy to make it laugh? 
Yep, you gotta hit with a dog joke. <laughs> or a roast. Even if it's a pun, even if it's like, paws off. Uh, I don't know, maybe something along the lines of, uh, Grandmother, what big teeth you have. You say that, and the the central, or the, the left head kind of is still focusing on the, the guard. The other head looks up towards you and its head like tilts sideways and it growls at you. No effect. Mm. Its intelligence intelligence is a three. (laughs) (laughs) It was just... Hey, you're making fun of Luna, aren't you? Just underneath. (laughs) Wait, Lunos is a four? You have a four? How can you even understand English? Yeah, common. 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 No, Lunas is like a, it's a, the intelligence is six. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. She's not the brightest. I don't uh, think you could get a four. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Anyway, uh, so it the dog looks at you. You've got the dog's attention. It is now looking at you and growling, and you can see there's murder in its eyes. Um, so maybe the joke offended it. You don't know. <laughs> Uh, but is now pissed at you and is looking at you. One head, the other head's focused on the guard. And it's. Well, I, uh, that's my turn. That was an action and a move. Okie dokie. Uh, oh, yeah, you're not using a bonus. Okay. Uh, next up would be the very wolf that you just pissed off. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it is going to. Does it do it? Yeah, it's going to try to break free. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, that's a 16. What's your DC? Everly, what's the DC of your spell? The entangle. 15? Okay. So it it's going to use its, I mean, it's using its entire thing to do this, but it rah, rips through the entangle. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the end of your turn for entangle. Let me do a quick double check because maybe the guard would have been able to move. Is this a save or a check? It's a save. It doesn't. Matter. Oh, it's a shrink check. So never mind. He was. He was even. Yeah. No. Um, it uses action. So actually, the guard would have been able to move. Uh, it would have backed away from the wolf towards the, the thing, which means it would have gotten an attack of opportunity on him with disadvantage because he was restrained, which means it does not hit. Uh, and then it is going to turn and move in this direction over here, uh, towards Everly and, um, Tornog and, uh, Madcap. Uh, that's its turn because it's used action to break free. It's no longer restrained. Uh, next up are the other doggos. Uh, this one is going to turn around and look at you. And it's going to begin circling around you, not stepping out of your area attack. And it's going to snap at you as it does so. Um, actually, this is going to move forward, too, towards you. You're going to take some damage. Yeah, it is. How much does it take? 1d8? 5 damage. 5 thunder damage. damage. 5 thunder. As it moves, and its head's kind of jerk in opposite directions. 
but it moves towards you and they have moved into flanking position. They're going to coordinate their attacks. Um, they're going to roll with advantage for both. Uh, that's a 17. Uh, that doesn't hit because 17 doesn't hit you. Uh, that's a natural three and a natural six. So they're snapping at you and you're just using your deflection, your sword to smack their heads away and move out of the way. Um, this one is going to do the same thing. It's going to flank around behind um, Ruby. And this one over here is going to do the same. Move up, and it's still in, it's actually going to move into engagement range of uh, Luna, Luna as well. <laughs> yep. Uh, here we go. So first attack on Ruby with advantage. Oh, that's a natural 18. So that's a 22 to hit you, Ruby. Yeah, um, yeah. Second attack. Uh, and a 14 does not hit, right? Just, just, no, the 14 doesn't. The thing that uh, Luna put oh. on me only adds two to my AC, right? Yes. However, the one that rolled the, the total of 22 has to roll a D4 because it is baned. Uh, so it's a 20 total. Yeah, okay, that still hits. Okay, so it's going to do... Well, I rolled a one. Uh, you take four points of piercing damage. I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Okay, so you're fine. You are not affected by whatever the fuck it is. Um, Alright, those are the creatures' turns as they've surrounded their quarries. Tornog, you're up. And Big Boy is in range. <laughs> Alright, so I will use my pain whip of warning and I'm doing two-handed. Okay. Swing in. Boom! I don't think I hit. I rolled a seven. Which is total? What would that be? Uh, well, uh, seven. I, I, w I will say this. Uh, since oh, yeah, she had rolls at this disadvantage, that's you roll two and take the lower. Yeah. Uh, the lowest one was a natural one. Oh yeah. So as you're like as you're getting the the whip out and you kind of bring it around with two hands, you bring it back and you hear. Rip, and you look backwards, and you see that you've ripped a hole in the side of the tent with the. At least it's not my pants. Yeah, at least it was your <laughs> pants. And as you swing, it kind of gets caught in the tent, and you have to yank it free, and it does. You don't even attack the the wolf this turn, and you're just trying to wrestle the fucking whip away. Um, okay, that was your action. Turn having a bad day. Bad day, yeah. Happy day, good. <laughs> Uh, bonus actions, I already use, well, I've got, I can heal, but I don't need to do You that. don't need to heal yet, yeah. Yeah, no. So out of, like, Fresh. out of the things that you can do just for, like, actions in combat. Uh-huh. Nothing else, really. Yeah, yeah. There, there are specific bonus actions that you get from class features and stuff like that, and that you can take um, from feats and stuff like that. So there are things that you can do with bonus actions. You just, you know, depends on what you have. And I know that you have superiority die as well that can, you can do stuff with. Um, yeah, most of that stuff's just when you hit. Yep, yeah, true. Uh, so, yeah, it's usually action, movement, and then bonus. Uh, and sometimes free actions, depending on – if you're like, I want to talk to somebody, I'm not going to – you don't get charged for that, right? Yeah. Say something. Would there be a better place to move? Uh, it depends on what you're going for. If you're going for, like, positioning, um, 
I just don't want her. Like, she wouldn't want to get back into a corner either. That's true. So you might want to move. So you have 30 feet of movement. So 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. And it would still put you in range of the other two dogs and the big dog. Yeah, that'd be good. Because right? then if she hits next turn, she could do a sweeping attack. There, there you go. Oh, fuck. Yes. Okay. That's Tornog. Ruby, you're back up. Okay, now there's a thing biting at me, and it's annoying. There's four heads currently biting at you. <laughs> yeah, I don't like them. But they're too close to cast spells on. So, instead of casting spells... Oh, it did not open up. Instead of casting spells, I shall draw my sword and swing at the one that just bit me. Okay. All right. Do it. Do it up. So the one in front that's banned currently. Okay. This one has not taken damage. That's a whole 12 to hit. 12 just hits. <laughs> Still getting used. Still getting used to your swords. Getting used to getting used to it. You're not. You're not on the boat. Feels weird. Feels weird using your sword when you're not on the boat. Plus five is seven damage. Seven damage. Nice. Um, as you slice out uh, at the creature, uh, you cut a, a nice size gash on its uh, on its front flank. And the weapon of Tornog is spiritualness shall attack over there. Alright, roll an attack roll. It's no longer with advantage because he's no longer restrained. Uh, 16. Oh wait, let me just, I'm on the wrong spell. Where's it plus? It is oh, that's, that's a good point. Uh, it, Shield of Faith, is it concentration, Cam? It is. So you wouldn't be able to hold Shield of Faith. You would have dropped Bane when Shield of Faith went up. What? Okay. Yeah, because both, both are concentration. However, only one of them was Bane anyway. So the other two made the save. So what we'll do is we'll move him back over. But Shield of Faith is still up, which reminds me. I will put this on Ruby. She is glowing white. Uh, there we go. Well, that's gray, but you get the point. All right, Ruby, what you doing? Besides... Okay, so yeah, a 16 to hit with the spiritual weapon. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, that definitely hits big boy. Roll your damage. 10 damage. 10 damage. Yeah. Oof, gets hit. Um, that, that definitely hurt him. I'm not going to try to move because these things will just try to bite me. So Okay. Uh, next up, then, we have Luna. Luna, yes. that creature, the dog, has moved back up to you, but is now focused on Ruby and is trying to bite her from behind. You see her get clipped by one of the dog's heads. Okay, can I move, like, directly behind it? Shift, like, a... So, like this? Foot, yeah. Yeah, so it's flanked. Boot, boot. All right. And now... I'm a shoestit. Okay. Roll it up. This is interesting because flanked, 
Sicko attack rolls have advantage against it. But if you were if you didn't have the gunner feet, it would be disadvantage. But he has gunner feet. So he gets to shoot the thing with advantage at point blank range. So roll. As you're like, yeah. Right in the butthole. Boom, boom. Nineteen equilibrium. Yeah, yeah, nineteen does it, and yes, equilibrium up the ass. Um Twelve damage. Twelve damage. Nice. Okay, Al. Uh that's your action. Like I said, you can do martial arts every round. Um, it, you, flurry of blows is a key point, so that you get two. But every round, is, as long as you use your monk weapon, you can get one melee and one uh, unarmed attack. He's your gun caught in the shit out of this dog. Like it doesn't even. To doesn't, out where it says my just like martial art attack here. Yeah. Unarmed strike. Unarmed strike. Yep. Exactly. Which should be a D4 at this point. 20 hits. 20 definitely hits, yeah. Or damage, 1D4 plus 5. I'm going to punch it. Well, Luna's going to like turn her uh, gun kind of the other direction, use it as a ton for Oh, right yeah. Well, oh, nice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> How much damage? Bayonetta. Uh, seven. <laughs> Bayonetta, yeah. <laughs> You're like... Boom! And you shoot it, and then you spin the gun. Like, literally, you have it looped on your finger. You spin it down and grab it, so it's like an extended tonfa, and just, bam! Right on the, the wound that you just created. And you hear it go, ah! and you And you see it is starting to limp on its back leg from, leg from all the damage that you've done. Um, this one looks hurt. Okay, so that was your action and your bonus, and a little bit of your movement. Are you staying put? Yeah, I'm going to say put. All right. Risk another. <laughs> Attack. All right. Everly, you're up. So, with my bonus action, I'm going to cast Flame Blade. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. And then I'm going to attack the big number. All right. Roll your attack. Flame Blade. Uh, 20. 20 hits. Yeah, 20 hits, big boy. Thirteen points of fire damage. Ouch. As you strike out with the flame blade, you cut a big gash along the side of its body, which immediately ignites in the creature. And its other head comes over. Like, the other head, first one goes low, and the other one comes up above it, and they're both growling at you. Um, okay, Al. Let me know. Bonus action? My bonus action was to cast the... Oh, flame blade. That's right. All right. So are you staying put? Yeah, because otherwise he'll attack. He will. Uh, Theron, you're up. All right. Uh, I'll just do the exact same thing, kind of. Shift? Yeah, it'll kind of be the... It's like a dance. Yeah, exactly. Shifting back behind this one, or are you going this direction? Uh, no, I'll, I'll want to hit the one that's uh, weak. Okay. So you go over here. The other one's going to attack you with advantage. Oh, my God. A nine to two. Yeah, completely missed. Uh, just both heads are trying to, they kind of smack into each other because they get confused at your movement and you hear them go, and they miss. Um, I will be attacking the one that I attacked before. Just... Yeah, for sure. Okay. Oh, it's a two, but you know what? Lucky? Lucky. 
I'm not taking that. I'm not taking it too. Yes, 16 plus. Oh, yeah, it definitely hits. Yep. Yeah, plus whatever. Um, this is another booming blade? Yeah, another booming blade. All right. I'll always use booming blade. It's perfect. So this is on the one you did. You booming blade last time or didn't? Yes, that I did. Okay, yeah. So as you're moving, you attack. Okay. I did. I rolled a one. Okay. So six, six points. Six points of damage to this one. moved away from him. All right. That's my turn. All right. Uh, next up is the guard. Now having been freed, uh, he is using a polearm. So he is going to, uh, let's see. Does he? Yeah, he does. He is going to step forward and attack this creature. Uh, it, it's flanked with advantage. That's a natural 16. That's a natural. So that does hit. He's going to do. Uh, this is two handed. So he does two points of damage because I rolled a one. <laughs> um, he like scrapes it. And then backs away, back towards the door. It's going to use its reaction to snap out at him. That's a natural 20. Oh, no. Oh, no. Hold on. Oh, no. Um, okay, let's see how much this does. Um, okay, we're going to roll for it. I just don't need to roll like I did last time. You see the the guard step forward and slice out at the the dog. Uh, one of the heads reacts and grabs the spear and gets cut in the mouth. And then you see the other head come over or underneath from the head that was above and grab the center section of the guard and completely disembowel him. Um, his insides begin to leak out of his body as he grabs his stomach and falls to the ground. Um, unmoving. Oh, no. Unmoving. I put him in the bag, too, just in case. <laughs> in case we find a way to save him. Madcap, speaking of, you're up. <laughs> All right, um... How how big is the big guy? Uh, he's about six six to seven feet long. He's a big boy. He's like the size of a, a very large cat. So if I make a uh, cube five foot by five foot of swirling daggers, does he fill up the whole cube? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Like five foot five foot by five. Yeah, he's basically in the cube. Cool. Uh, I'm going to do that. All right. I'm going to cast. Uh, cloud of daggers. So basically, uh, uh, Madcap throws up his knives and starts juggling them. And then a few more knives materialize, and a few more knives materialize. And then he just sort of goes, and they all start swirling around the big guy. That's a dexterity saving throw, correct? First fan for Cloud of Knives. Uh, no, actually, I don't see a save on it. It's concentration, up to one minute. Uh, and it is 
Uh, you fill the air with spinning daggers and cube five feet on each side, centered on the point you choose. With oh, fuck. Now, straight up, it just takes 44 slashing damage. 44 uh, uh, when it first enters the zone. And, and if it starts, it starts its, its turn. turn there. Yeah, all right, rolled 44. So it effectively is going to be 8d4. Yes, it is. turn in the cube. Yep. Uh, that is a very middling roll. It's literally two ones and two fours. So ten points of so, damage. Ten points of damage. Yeah. Um, as you conjure, you just juggle those knives, and for each time you juggle fairly fast, the knives appear around it and just start spinning, and you cut into him. Um, you can see him, like, after, ha after having just disemboweled that guard, he starts, like, snapping at all the daggers as they cut into him and jerking around. Uh, he looks hurt. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right, that's your action. Do you do anything bonus? Are you staying put? Staying put. Staying put. All right. Uh, next up is his turn, so another 44. Well, he did. <laughs> he is very hurt. Uh, that is 7, 10, 13 points of damage. Ooh. Once again, as he's trying to, to get the daggers, he, he's starting to move slower. Um, and he's, like you can see his, his the weight starting to drag him down um, from his sluggish movement. But he lunges out towards uh, Ollie. Ollie, fuck. Ollie is Ever here. Everly. Uh, first attack, that is a 7. Uh, second attack's a natural 18, so it's 22 to hit. Wait, no, 23 to hit. Alright. Uh, you take 14 points of piercing damage. Ouch. And then I need you to make a con save. I've been really rolling high on his damage. Uh... Natural 20 plus 5. Okay, so you're fine. Uh, he bites out at you. He is then going to fucking move. <laughs> He'll wrap around you. Uh, you know what? He is going to take the attack of opportunity from you, uh, Everly. I, I should be able to do it with the flaming thing? Yeah, you get to do it with the flame blade. It's a weapon. Cool. Not cool. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, 24. 24 definitely hits. Roll your damage. Eleven. Eleven. So he had one hit point left. So um, as he tries to step away from you and circle around, and after that large oh. attack, he's trying to use this as a distraction to get away from you. Um. And as you kind of recoil from the attack, you bring the, the blade to bear, and as he steps out to the side, what do you want to do Bad with dog. it? Bad dog. Do you <laughs> you shove the flame blade directly through his neck, severing both of uh, the connective tissue and the nerves in both heads, and you see the heads droop, and he begins to fall over, and he drops down to the ground, and his neck is smoldering. Um... That takes care of him. All right. Uh, the other dog. Uh huh. I have a question. Uh huh. Is it a free action? Like, if can I drop concentration on the spell when yep. it's not my turn, or just uh, no? You have to do it on your turn, but it is a free action. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, so that, that spot that's there is still swirling. With yeah, it's still swirling. Uh, it's still dangerous. Uh, the dogs... Um, this one is going to turn and make an attack on you. Uh, that's a 14. That's not hit. And then he's going to run away from you, uh, Theron. This one's running away. Uh, that sounds like a meal. Think it, oh, you want me to attack him? It's up um, to you. You can use your reaction to do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, I'll attack him. Okay, as he's running away, you reaction attack him. Bam. A uh, also, ni- 19. 19 hits, yeah. Well, doesn't Booming Blade do more damage when they move? He, yeah, he's been rolling it. Um, okay. Yeah, this one ha- is not the one with Booming Blade. It's this other fucker over here that's about to move. Yeah, um, mm. it'll be 7 damage. 7 damage as he you attack him and hit him. Uh, and then he continues his movement. So that was 10. This is 20, 30, 40. He begins moving this direction. This one, roll a d8 because he's moving. Yes. 10, 20, 30, 40. Take four. Four points of damage to him. Um, as these creatures, having seen their commander falling, begin to flee. However, these two are going to make attacks at, on, with advantage against Ruby again. Uh, that's going to be uh, 19 to hit. No, eighteen to hit. Does that hit you with uh, your with your bonus? With the bonus, it does not. My AC is seventeen, so plus two is 19. so nineteen. All right, so that one misses. The other one, ooh, booty nine and a two. So they both miss. They're taking parting shots as they run away. This one is going to step out of your threatened square. I guess I'm going to swing a sword at it. Okay. Fifteen plus seven, so twenty-two. Twenty-two definitely hits. Roll your damage. Eight plus five, thirteen. Thirteen points of damage. Nice. You you clip it really good as it starts to run, uh, but it still does run. So that's going to be uh, twenty, thirty, forty. Um, this one uh, begins to run. Luna, you do have a reaction if you want to do anything with it. And yes, you can, it, you can shoot it. Yeah, I'm going to shoot it as it runs away. Okay. As, <laughs> it's, with you yet. as, you, as you hit it with the, the Tonfa-like motion, you spin the gun around as it starts to move. Aim it sideways. Roll your attack. Shit. It's sideways. That's a kill shot. That is a kill shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 17? 17 hits. Roll your damage. Chalion fat style. Hard boiled. Okay. Uh, uh, 10? Oh. <laughs> what? Did I have Boom! You shoot it. It does have 11 health. You shoot it <laughs> in the back, like at the spine, and something maybe about the anatomy of the dog has changed. It's limping uh, on its back leg as it runs, but it does run away. Uh, that would be 20, 30, and it catches up to its friend. Forty. They are fleeing. Uh, from what you, what it seems like, they're running towards this, uh, this gigantic mountain area over here that is beside the town. Um, next up, we have top. Well, we have Tornog, who is next up. Tornog. Creatures are running. Doggies are running. Reach any of them from where I am, Let's and see. I have to move. That would be, you have to move, so it would be 10, 20. 20 would get you into range with your weapon of this one. 
If you yeah, if you move another ten feet, uh, what's the sweeping attack is just within your melee range, right? Yeah, it's within the normal range to hit as long as the other creature is within five foot feet of the creature you hit. Oh, ooh. No, so you wouldn't be able to hit, you wouldn't be able to sweeping attack these. They're too far away. But you'd be able to regular attack one of these two. Because okay. they have to be within five feet of each other. So yeah, these two are like ten feet away from each other. Okay, so I'll try to attack one of those guys. Okay, the closer one or the further one? Uh, the further one. Okie dokie. Oh, yeah, 15. That should be 21 to hit. 21 definitely hits. That's with disadvantage? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. Okay, so that definitely hits. That is a, that is a 20. It's, it's 20. Oh, yeah, 20. Well, yeah, 20 yeah. still hits. <laughs> yeah, more than enough. All right. I rolled... Thir- no, not max damage. 8, 9, 10, 11 damage. 11 damage. Nice. As it's as it's running, you do do like a sweeping esque attack with the whip, and you hit it on the backside, and you you hear it yelp, and it sort of spins sideways a little bit. Um, it's still up. Is it uh, large? If it's uh, let's see, maybe I'll do a trip attack then. It is it is not large. It is a smaller creature. It is a um, a medium sized creature. Okay, so I'll use the superiority die add. The total to the damage roll. Okay. It's large or small, but it has to make a strength saving throw. Okay. It fails. It oh, fuck. Oh, I actually rolled well. Um, that's a 17. Is it, it should say what the DC is. Yeah, it's, it's on your superior, superiority die, and it probably... Okay, so yeah, so it makes the save. As you clip it, you still do extra damage. Uh, but it, it, it almost tumbles, but then it like scrambles up. You hear its back legs kicking, and you can see them moving furiously as it starts to take off. Uh, how much extra damage you do? I just want to make sure I, I rolled the proper thing here. Yep. So uh, So I rolled two. Two. So two extra damage. Every little bit counts. Yeah. And it the the whip rips into its back legs, and you can see they're all chewed up. Um, it is still trying to run. Uh, that was your that was your attack action. <laughs> Are you doing anything else? I don't think I can do anything else. I think good. Okay. Uh, I would say, I would argue that, that you'd probably be right there. Um, so, all right. So next up is Ruby. As the creatures begin to run away towards that mountainous area over there. The furthest runs from me. How far away? Uh, let's do some ruler in. Oh, let's switch it up. Uh, 40 feet. Okay. 40 to 45. That's fine. Let's say 45. One is the... Actually, whichever one looks not as dead as the other. Uh, that would be that would be the, the one that's further away. Yeah. I will guiding bolt at it. Okay. Um, all right. Roll an attack row as it runs away. Seventeen plus six, so twenty-three to hit. Twenty-three definitely hits. Roll your damage. Uh, 
He is illuminated. Anchor? Illuminated. Uh, actually, we have a torch for this very situation. Illuminated. Nice. <laughs> yep. Uh, 13. Nice. Damage. 13 radiant damage. And it begins to glow as it runs off. And with that glow, you can see a little further ahead, there is a cave uh, opening at the base of this mountain that they are running towards. I could see that anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dark uh, fucking twilight. Yeah, you could definitely see it. Um, all right. Uh, that's your attack. What are you doing with your bonus? And then there's nothing with my... There's no baddies over by where my nope. weapon is, right? Nope. I'll just drag it 20 feet forward to get closer. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's like a physical effort. I'm coming. All right. Stay in put. Yeah. All right. Luna, you're up. Luna and Ruby working in tandem this whole time. Similar passive <laughs> roles. Similar initiative. All right. What are you doing, Luna? Dog goes are running away. You definitely. They are 10, 20, 30. The closest one's about. Yeah, they're about 40, 45 feet away from you. So you could actually close on them. Yeah, we're not in shooting range of all of them. Just shooting range? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. So you're within shooting range of every single one of them right here. Because it's 30 feet, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're within shooting range of all of them. I would even argue right there would probably be closer. Okay. Who are you going after? Um. Actually, you know what? I'm going to move up to the two dogs. Okay. 40 feet will be right there. And I'm gonna dragon breath. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Okay, it's dexterity? Um, dex 14, yeah. Yeah, okay, so that one, uh, the limpy one actually succeeds. <laughs> and his Don't partner, his partner does not. Okay, so roll your damage. It's 2d10, isn't it? 2D10, Radiant. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yep. <laughs> uh, 20. You rolled both 10s? Yeah. <laughs> well, the one only had one hit point, so it's super Ooh. dead. So it just gets immolated <laughs> in fire. Completely instant and radiant energy. Radiant moonlight. It just completely annihilates it. The other one failed the save, too, which is not good for it. It's the full 20. Um, that's the one that uh, that Ruby was hitting on, um, not, like, coming on to. Uh, it is – it immediately gets consumed by your dragon's breath. However, it is still standing afterwards. Um, so, it's hurt. That's your action. Bonus punch. <laughs> can't, you can't. Bon it, 
You can... It's only through an attack with your monk weapon that you can do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you'll get that eventually, but not right now. Yeah. Eventually you'll be able to spend key whenever you do anything to get get an attack. Yeah. Um, However, it is next to you within five feet of you, so if it tries to move, you do get an attack of opportunity. Uh, Are you staying put? Yeah. You have no more movement. You're not going to do anything with your bonus. So next up is Everly. As the creatures begin to flee. Are running away. Yep. Uh, you have vanquished their leader with a flame blade chop through the neck. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna be able to catch any of them. I mean, it depends. Aren't they more than 40 feet away from me? Yeah, but don't you have wild shape? Can't you, like, shift into a fucking demon dog or something? <laughs> I don't know what you could do. I mean, well, I don't think I turn into anything giant yet. No, but is there anything you can turn to that's a speed of 50 feet? Yeah. Yeah, so you could definitely catch one of them. Well, then I guess I'll turn into a panther and go after it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's that is definitely a route. So let's switch you over into Panther form. Uh, not. Do we have a big cat, or am I gonna have to yeah, upscale the tiny cat? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, let's upscale. Let's upscale the tiny cat. Here we go. You are now. Mister Whiskers, or sorry, Miss Miss Whiskers. Yeah, Miss Whiskers. <laughs> uh, there we go, Miss Whiskers. Gets within. I don't approve of that. That's 50, <laughs> 50 feet. Miss Whiskers has approached the cat or the dog at the sim, uh, now similar sized creature, uh, cat wise, and you are near it. That was your bonus action, wasn't it? And your movement? Yep. Okay, are you getting attack with your cat form? The less injured one. 17? 17 hits. Yeah. Roll your, your kitty cat. Miss Whiskers claws damage. I love chicken. I love liver. Meow mix, meow mix. Please deliver. <laughs> Don't copyright Sue as meow, meow mix. Seven points of damage. As you <laughs> essentially like claw its backside up, it begins to like wiggle free and look confused back. Both heads kind of cocking sideways uh, to see a panther there, which wasn't before. Um, natural predator. Blue. Uh, blue? Your blue panther? Like dark blue. Well, that's even more fucked up. Um, so, that's your action bonus and movement. Uh, so, next up we have Theron. Alright. Creature's moving. Is that one that she just attacked? Uh, does it look weak? Uh, I mean, they all look hurt. Okay. And, yeah, they're within 40 feet. I would like to try to keep one alive. Okay, you close it on this one? Yeah. Um, As you close up, you see this, like, seven-foot-tall, monstrous form of this jack-to-the-nines fucking orc-like chick who's got, like, long, tapered ears, wielding this whip chain that, like, probably, if you were to try to lift, it would probably break both your arms. Yeah. Um, That seems about Huge. Bigly. 
the biggest chains, she has the biggest ones. Alright. Fucking thick. <laughs> fucking fucking thick. <laughs> thick, <laughs> thick chain for a thick girl. As, lo- yeah. as long as you don't, like, grab me and start swinging. <laughs> or hugging. Probably would break you. I would die. Yeah. Yes. What are you doing? You're on it. Uh, yeah, I'll just hit it. All right, roll your roll your attack. Bam. Uh, twenty-two. No, that doesn't hit. Okay. It got four hundred AC in that round. <laughs> Go ahead, roll your damage. Lucky until I get a natural. Is this attack. another booming blade? Uh, I want it to be like a non-lethal. You can't non-lethal booming blade. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, no booming blade. <laughs> if you booming blade it and it moves and it kills it, it's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going for like, you're trying to like bludgeon it essentially? Almost. Okay. Or like swipe at its leg, I guess. Okay. Go for, well, roll your, roll your damage. I got seven, so uh, 12. 12 points of damage. Uh, it's still up. And it's very hurt as you kind of slash at its leg really quick. You see it begin to limp on the the right leg. It's still still moving. It seems to be intent on making towards the cave. Can I can I say uh, keep at least one alive? Okay, yeah, you can say that out loud. You you guys would all hear Theron say that to you nearby. Mm-hmm. Although, can you understand in uh, common in cat form? Don't I keep all my stats? Yeah. You do keep your stats, so yeah, so you would hear you'd hear that. Um okay. Theron, that's that your turn? That is my turn. Alright. Uh the guards begin to open the 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 gates and rush forward like the it's gonna take a second because you know, they gotta finish opening everything, so it's gonna be another round before they get through. Madcap, you're up. I'm assuming you drop concentration on the Sphery Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, knives just wink out of existence. All right. And uh, I have to stay within 120 yeah. feet of progress. I was literally so just feet. about to measure that, too. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> but, yeah, she's within 70 feet of you. So, so far you're uh, good. I'm going to move, move action, move uh, up close to Tornug. Okay, so that would be 10, 20, 30. So you're... Between the spiritual weapon and Tornok. Okay. And uh, they're all within range of me. Yeah, for uh, what you have, yes. So that, that one that's between the glowing one and yeah. Tornog, I'm this going one? to uh, fire off a Eldritch Blast. Eldritch Blast! We are my mama's blast! Oh, yeah. Okay, go for it. Uh-huh, it's a natty 17, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. That hits. definitely hits. Roll your damage. And, what is that, D10? Yep. Uh, that is nine damage. Nine force damage. Whew, it hits at the backside. Once again on the leg, trying to cripple these creatures to slow them down. It uh, looks severely hurt, uh, but does not go down. It's like, what, it doesn't die. <laughs> Madcap frowns. <laughs> <laughs> like clown makeup and all just, hmm, like a crazy elongated smile. Yeah, yep, very upsetting. But that's your action and your movement. 
No more. No bonus. No bonus. Okay. Then next up is the last few remaining uh, death dogs. They are going to. Well, the the one that's surrounded by all three of you is going to snap out at. Let's make this fair. Roll a d6. One to two is Theron. Uh, two to four is Mrs. Whiskers, or three to four is Mrs. Whiskers, and uh, five to six. Five to six is Fit Girl. <laughs> fit girl. Uh, it is Mrs. Whiskers who's getting the attack. That's a natural four, so it does not succeed, and it is going to run. That is that is so many attacks of opportunity. Yep. If people are taking them, are people yeah, taking them? <laughs> but I'm trying to. As the flame blade is still, like, lit up, Theron's like, huh, and <laughs> takes yeah, a swipe. It, where is the flame blade? Are you, like, holding it in your mouth right now? <laughs> oh, that's right! You do have, it doesn't break concentration, does it? No, you still have, like... Let them kill it, because you can hit that one, because you have a longer reach than they can. That's very true. So... Okay, that's bad. Ooh, that's a two, so I missed. You're not lucky in it? Yeah, lucky. Okay. I was just wondering, you know, it's just running from you. Ooh. Um, 13. 13 hits oh, as yeah, it yeah. tries to run away. Okay. Yeah, trying, trying to go for non-lethal. Okay, you're trying to go for non-lethal. Uh, eight damage. That'll do it. Uh, as you, I will say that you do, essentially as it tries to run, you take the pommel of your sword and smack it in the side of the head. And it slams into the other one, and it goes down. Heavy breathing, ragged. Uh, sounds like it's not doing well. Um, that one's down. Uh, the other ones are going to run. And I ran 10, 20, 30, 40 towards the cave. This one's going to try to run from you. Um, you do get an attack of opportunity with advantage, Luna, because it is... Glowing from the uh, guiding bolt. Also, Tornish has a reach of 15 feet, so I think she can have an attack of opportunity on the other one because it exited her melee range. Uh, the th- oh, I got to do a quick double check on that one because I don't know if rules of, as written say um, it's it's only for five. Feet. I think it only says five is the problem. You can get you need to get a very specific feat in order to do, and that's only with a pole arm. Pole arm, yeah. No, it's more than five feet away. Uh, it's Jason, trying to move away. From, you're you're within five feet. Jason might have a feat very similar that does what you want. Oh, out of your reach. Well, then no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I thought it was within five feet, but if it's within your reach, you can totally hit that bitch, Tornog. Because it is only. Technically, fifteen feet away, and you have a twenty-inch reach. What'd you roll? Ten does not hit, unfortunately. It does move back to where its position was. Yeah, I need to reread that. What is the? No, the polearm one, Brandon. The problem is the polearm one is when it steps into your threatened your, your reach. That's why we got confused. Okay, so um, you get advantage on your attack, Luna. Twenty three hit? Twenty three. No. Yes. <laughs> roll your roll your damage. Here's the thing. 
This is what's funny. Gonna get punched. Oh yeah. That one's unconscious. Eight points of damage total. Okay, so you you punch it as it tries to run away. Yeah. Okay, it runs away. Uh, you give it a punch. It, it is it is hurt. However, uh, it's no longer glowing. Um, that's ten, a twenty, a thirty, and a forty. It gets into the cave, uh, which breaks your line of sight on it. Um, however, as it leaves, it is going to snake out and attack on you. Uh, does a, a, a well? Doesn't matter. Sixteen doesn't hit. Uh, and this one is going to dash because it only used one of its things and is going to jump into uh, the cave as well. Uh, you see these creatures run into this this cave area um, and you hear skittering sounds as they begin to delve deeper into it. However, uh, Tornog, it is your turn this round. Do you pursue? We got one, right? You do have one on the ground, unconscious, breathing raggedly. And there's just one left now that ran? Uh, there, yeah. Well, two of them ran. One is on the ground. I'm gonna pursue. Okay, so 10, 20, 30, woman. Alright, um, you can see one of them in the cave, uh, about... You could actually get within opportunity attack range if you get right here. Woman. There you go. Alright, it's just it's just within 20 feet. The other one, you see it uh, about 20 feet ahead of the other one. Uh, actually, no, about 15 feet ahead of the other one. Oh, can I swing on it then, or is that reach? Uh, well, you had to dash to get there. You had and to, then I won't be. And then, yeah, so, right? yeah. yeah. So, you, when it moves, you will get an attack of opportunity against it. Okay, that's So, good. Ruby, you are up. Okay. Woman. Um, Woman. I guess my whole, well, 30 out to where I can't see them because they went inside the cave. Right? Yeah, they went inside the cave. So 20 right there, 30 right here. Uh, and the thing is, like, the cave is probably about 10 feet tall, the entrance, like 9 to 10 feet tall. And the the woman is 7 feet tall, and she's thick. Uh, so she is obscuring a lot of that entrance. Um, it's fairly narrow, but very tall. Um, uh, at this point, when she did a she did a sixty foot movement, we're about to see if something fun happens. She since she moved diagonally, you're actually fine. Uh, okay. Yeah, she actually moved inward and not outward. Outward probably would have fucked you, but since she moved inward, she's only about she's only about ninety feet away from you at this point. Okay. So you can begin to you're so it's funny, Madcap. You begin to feel like a familiar tingling sensation. It's almost like spider sense. As you're like, she's no, getting no, 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 she's no, getting no, away. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, uh, Ruby. That was your thirty. What are you doing? Well, I can't really see anything. Uh huh. I'll. Um... Yeah, you can't see the creatures. And beside me is Luna, right? Does she look like she's hurt or anything? Uh, Luna looks 
sort of scraped, but not really. It's like it, it's like the creature nicked her. Yeah. And Tornog? Uh, Tornog is looking unharmed, untouched. Okay. Hasn't been hit yeah, as you as you see the like, if it weren't for the some of the scars that you can see, like there's a little bit of scarring on her, um, she would look like pristine. Okay, and I can't really. Well, can I see Theron? Uh, let's see. He's uh, behind you. If right? you glance backward, yes, you can see him. But also, I don't think Theron Theron didn't get hit either. Uh, the one okay, who took. I'll just stand here and do nothing. Okay. I will hold, hold. my action uh-huh. if anything comes back at me to swing my sword at it. Okay, that sounds good, Luna. Yeah. They're going into the cave. I'm going to run into the cave. Okay. Let's see. You squeeze past her and you can see that there is, you close within five feet of one and then there's the other one's about 20 feet away from you. Okay, we're <laughs> <laughs> this is so fucked. It's poor dogs. I know it's pretty janky. Is that somebody's pet, and then they got turned with some it's kind of like Tornog yep. Tor- has not been touched. Tornog, as you like, oh, wow. as you turn around, as you're like dashing past this woman, woman, you see um, that she is, she's like glistening from a little bit of sweat, but it doesn't look like from the fight. It looks like well, she was probably doing light activity before the fight started. Um, and you can smell like the faintest bit of, um, like feline musk on her. Um, and other than that though, she is just massive and like currently spinning this large fucking chain as she's running into the cave. (laughs) Musk, not... (laughs) <laughs> Not scat or piss. <laughs> the aroma. <laughs> you notice, though, that sometimes when you put your face in a cat's tummy, it smells kind of like old lady. <laughs> <laughs> Jess is revealing a lot. You are within five feet of one of them. Oh, the old lady, too. Yep. I'm going to... Okay, what are you saying? Wake up all the bats. And, you know, like a rascally, um, deep voice, Luna's just gonna be like, Flee, you coward! Okay, um, you do do that. Make, make an intimidation check. Oh no, I don't know if I can do that. You, you better try. <laughs> You better flee, please. Flee, <laughs> please. Yeah. Sixteen. Um, they they do give a yelp, and it looks like they they get a little bit more pep in their step. Um, but they were already kind of moving in that direction, so yeah, that's your action and your. Did I hear anything else in this game? Uh, well, since you're doing rolling to intimidate, you would not be able to actively try to perceive. What's your passive perception is a 15? 
Yeah. Okay, you do hear uh, the instantly erupting squeaking sounds of about two or three dozen bats that you've just awoken. <laughs> um, as they come, haul, they begin to haul ass out of the cave. They're not moving yet. Uh, however, you did interrupt the baddies. Um, can, I, can I cast Sanctuary on my new friend? Is that a bonus action? It's a bonus. Okay, so a Sanctuary Concentration? Uh, Just want to see if Shield of Faith drops, is all I'm checking on. It does not. I don't think it's concentration. If it's not, then you're good to go. It is not concentration. Okay, so who are you ca- you're counting? You're casting on a Tornog? Yeah. Clerics are busted. Okay. Um, Can she make a reaction attack now? Sanctuary. I don't know what it does. Uh, sanctuary, so it says... Yeah. Range against attack until the spell ends. Any creature who targets the ordered creature with an attack or harmful spell must first make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, the creature must choose the new target or lose the attacker's spell. So basically, he made you even more of like a big woman goddess that <laughs> none shall dare attack. <laughs> does uh, does uh, Luna's voice of authority or whatever it is, like whenever she buffs someone? Uh, that's a valid point. Because yeah, one I, second, I, I forgot, one, I one second, well, you have a special feature, sir. You do, and actually, you could have used that earlier, I believe. Um, but let's see. Let's check something. We need to check on uh, voice of authority. That is a feature that you have that you could potentially use in this moment. Uh, let's see. Let's check your voice of authority. I don't remember if it's specifically a. I guess the spell with the spells out of first level or higher, and they're going to have. So he gets so at this moment, Tornog, as you feel the the presence of um, Sanctuary, are you choosing to use that ability? Yeah, let's do it. So Tornog, you feel your arm being like guided forward and you if you choose to, you can use your reaction to make an attack right now against the creature that's within your range. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay, so roll an attack against um, the one that's, you know, in dream range. Dream work makes a dream work. Right. Well, I roll garbage. I rolled a five and a two, so I got a eight. <laughs> so you feel it, and you swing, and you th- it's at this moment, as you hear the clicking sounds, the clinking begin, that you realize you're in the, the, wall, the mouth of the cave, and your chain just starts fucking hitting rocks everywhere. And you, like, you start chipping shit, and it's... I mean, the rocks don't attack you because you are sanctuary, but there are chips of rocks flying around your head as you start spinning the fucking whip like it's a dervish, and you're just like, woohoo! But, um, but you don't... It's a very frustrating guttural yep. owl. Yep, yep. <laughs> fucking over it. If it's not, if it's not a, a, a circus tent, it is now the cave walls uh, that have stopped you from attacking. All right? Nice. Yeah, she just needs... She needs a wide area, a, a wide berth. Uh, next up would be, yeah, one more. It would be Everly. You are up. It's it's true, but 
have been at least a couple rolls that you failed because because of disadvantage. Of yeah. Uh, so Panther, Miss uh, Miss Whiskers, Mrs. Whiskers, you are up. Cat form, cat form, kitty cat form, cat form. What are you doing, Mrs. Whiskers? Not answering to Mrs. Whiskers. Everly, what are you doing? <laughs> First of all, when you were singing cat form, I thought you were saying cat corn, and that was weird. <laughs> no, Mrs. Whiskers. Nope. Um, what are you doing? How far is the cave? Uh, from your location right now? Uh, the mouth of the cave is about 60 feet away. Well, I can't get there. No. So I'm just going to look at Theron and make a very puzzled-looking cat face, like, why did you want this alive? So the cat, the panther turns to you, and you expect just for a brief moment for it to start licking its paws, but instead it almost is the same thing that um, Noel did to you and cocks its head at you. And narrows okay, its eyes. Like, I I want I want to roll for insight. <laughs> okay, roll for insight to see if you can understand the animal. <laughs> and she's just sort of like blinking at you, like, excuse me. I mean, my position is, who the fuck is this guy? I don't care. I rolled natural twenty, Jason. You understand the intent of this cat? <laughs> you immediately understand. You're like, it's sassing me. It it is <laughs> it's questioning my motives, my very existence. Why? It really is. Why, why? Why does it judge me with its cat-like eyes? Because <laughs> it's a cat. <laughs> it's a cat. Um. So I just watched this person, uh, this human, transform into this cat. Uh, I would say yeah. You would have, you would have seen the transformation. Um. So I can assume that this is some sort of druid. Uh, you have seen it though, because I was kind of behind you. That's a good point. I was like in the in the corner. I was getting. I would, you did well. No, 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 no. Because she transferred while you I'm were like up here and then oh, ran. Okay. So no, you wouldn't have. You yeah, you wouldn't have seen it. She could have had a point. You would. But, you would just think it's a panther. But do you get that flame blade? <laughs> That's true. You still do. So. From what you did see, I don't know. You did. You chose not to drop concentration on it, so um, I'm assuming that it's in it's in your mouth. <laughs> unless, unless like now you choose to drop concentration on it. Like uh, Amaterasu and uh, Okami. And Okami, yeah, you are. That means nothing to me, but okay. You, she's a <laughs> she's a heavenly dog that has like a sword that she puts in her mouth and attacks people, and it's it's on fire. Sure, I'm holding the flaming sword in my mouth. Yeah, so you see, you do see now a flaming cat, a flaming sword in its mouth as it judges you Mm -hmm. in all things in life. Yeah, it's like the dopest fucking panther ever. Um, Okay, so you stand there judging. Yep, blue with a flaming blade. Natharan, what do you do? Is it's my turn now? Well, I'm assuming because I think she just she said she was judging you. Oh, and that I don't know if you know this. Judging takes an entire round. So, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just judging you. Like, both action, bonus action? Reaction? If he tries to move, reaction judgment. Um, yeah. Well, I'd like to uh, tie it up. That's what I'd like to do. Okay. Um, you got rope? I do have rope. Okay. Make a... Let's go with sleight of hand. I'm so tempted to just fucking 
I mean, roleplay your character. Do it. I got 23. 23. Uh, yeah, you begin the process of tying up this thing. It's going to take longer than a round. Because, you know, it's a big, it's an animal. So, you like, you break, you're like, yep. You break out the rope and you're like, this is just like rigging up a ship. And yep. you start tying the fucking creature up. Um, preparing it for spit roasting. Here's the mainsail. Here's the back yep. sail. Uh, at this point, the gates begin to open. Uh, the guards rush in, the two guards that are here. Um, and they begin to check on their f- compatriot and the woman. Um, Matt Cap, you're up. Uh, I'm going to uh, keep chasing after Tornug. Yep, good idea. I'll move action 30 feet. Oop. How far away? Uh, now from where you currently end up, I think she's about 60 feet away from you. Yeah, 60 feet. Cool. Uh, you see this interesting cat with the flame blade, and then you see the fairly rakishly dressed um, elven figure who is like bending down and beginning to work some intricate knots on this <laughs> fucking dead death dog. Well, nearly dead death dog. Um, wrapping, just wrapping, tying, tying the heads together. Yep. Muzzle the mouth. What are you doing? Uh, I'm gonna evens odd something. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll a quick thing, and if it's evens, I'm going to do uh, the the smart thing, and if it's odds, I'm going to do the chaotic thing. Oh, oh, it's impulsive versus chaos. Gotcha. Ooh, yeah, that is a that is an odd number. Uh, so I'm going to Eldritch Blast the dog. Okay. No, no I'm not gonna Eldritch Blast it. I'm going to Vicious Mockery it. Okay. Interesting. Alright, so it is unconscious. Let me check well, something. Vicious Mockery does have to be hurt, so I guess Eldritch Blast is the best. Eldritch Blast is the best go. But, to be fair, make your Eldritch Blast, but roll with disadvantage. Yeah, because it's... But, 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 roll with advantage, because it's unconscious, so give me a flat roll. Would you say that I'm, like, <laughs> bent down in front of it, giving it uh, quarter cover? I would say based on the angle, he has a he has a wide shot okay. of this thing. Oh, okay. That is a, a 17 hit. 17 hits. Okay. So, boom, you Eldritch Blast it. Uh, it fails death save. Um, and which reminds me, it does make a death save. So it does succeed. As you turn around, like as you're doing this... You see a bolt of eldritch energy hit the creature, and you hear it, like, whimper and begin to breathe heavier. And you look over, and you see this odd clown creature with its hand outstretched, <laughs> shooting magical energy like, at this dog. Just like, just like, a, just like, as I'm running, I do this, like, flancy run, and then I just sort of, like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so you see a finger gun, this thing... It doesn't look like he was trying to be a, a dick. It just looks like it's part of his nature. As he kind of drives by, he's like, "Pew, shoot that fucker!" And you, you know he wasn't aiming at you. Definitely aiming at the dog. Uh, that's a good point. You see, you see like a flag that drops down, and in common says, "Pew." Um, <laughs> All right, that's your attack, that's your action, your movement. Uh, 
Okay, all right, next up we have uh, Mr. Mr. Dying Death Dog. Uh, it fails death save. You hear its breath <laughs> begin to get shallower from both of its heads. Um, all right, Tornog, you are up. Oh, wait, no, 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 sorry. There's another, there's another death dog. Um, one second. That one. Oh my god, fuck you, mountain, you bitch. <laughs> Rocks everywhere. Garignac. Okay, uh, this one's gonna... This is the one that's the dead one. No! No, you missed! That's right! Okay, so, um, this one is going to jump up here. Jump this direction. And run around a corner. And out of sight. Um, it did it to me again. Fuck you, mountain. Alright, this one's going to move out, move out of your threatened square, Luna. You do get an attack of opportunity on it. Nice! Luna fight! Luna. She used, she used her reaction to, for, for the, uh, the ability that, um, Cam did. And she hasn't got her turn yet to get her reaction back. Yep. Soon. Next round, as a matter of fact. Okay, so does a um, where are we at? Twenty five hit. Twenty five definitely hits. Roll your damage. Yo. Okay, six. Yeah, well, that's its health total. So uh, as oh. it as it begins to step away, you just step forward. Straighten your back out and deliver this ridge hand chop to the side of its head, and it instantly goes down. Um, you hear a cracking sound, and its skull where you hit caves in. Um, poor doggo. That one, yeah, that that. I mean, poor for a lot of reasons. One of the other ones is that you know <laughs> it was just a regular dog until it got fucked. Uh, so, and the other one disappeared around the corner. Tornog, you are up. Uh, you see this magnificent-looking crystalline blue dragonborn figure wearing nun's robes. Um, and I know, right? Uh, with these... She is definitely busty. Um, she's wearing these interesting... Green pants, yeah, like, and uh, she's dressed for combat for sure, um, right? I didn't say anything about her mommy milkers. Okay, anyway, so. <laughs> okay, so the one that ran around the corner is the cave like big enough for Tron to actually. Uh, it's at this at the entrance. It's a little small, so you'll have to squeeze, which means you would be moving at half movement speed. Um, so you would be able to get about 15 feet deep, especially since Luna's in front of you. Uh, it would be a tight fit. And how far is the, the puppy? You don't even see the other dog. It ran around a corner and disappeared. You would garner that it's, it was probably about 40 feet away from you when it hit the corner. And it, it, from its speed that it's moving, if it's dashing, it probably got another 60 or 80, or probably 60 feet away from you. So it's moving. It's, just like out of it's blitzing. Yeah. Out of it. 
Yeah, I think she's just gonna be like, oh, well, alright. Yeah. <laughs> so the head. Look, I fucked this. Roll, um, like a knowledge nature or something on the one that Lunik rolled? Uh, yeah. I would say, yeah, definitely. Make a, either, I would say either nature or medicine, depending on how you want to tackle this. Different, like, rule will get different info, probably, hey? Yes. Uh, nature would be, um, kind of like, if this creature is some type of beast that is within the natural order of things, and like what its variation would be. And then uh, medicine would be more of an in-depth look of its anatomy. So like its musculature and all that stuff. I'll do nature. Okay. Kind of where I was kind of originally. Yep. I got an 18. 18. Um, so the base form of this dog... Uh, which you would recognize at one point was very much sort of like a hound, um, has been grossly perverted and expanded and malformed into something that doesn't resemble uh, the beast that it once was. I mean, there are flashes of its previous nature in, in the color of its coat, um, the hairs that are left over, but for the most part, it is so misshapen now uh, and mutated that off the top of your head, you've heard of things like this before, for sure. You've heard of, of, of dogs with two heads and random mutations or monstrosities that are created by magic users or even fiendish animals that exist like this. Um, as far as like its place in the natural order, it is definitely something that is not considered a beast anymore. It's probably something along the lines of a monstrosity. Okay, so you've never seen anything like it, just heard stories. Uh, I would say you, uh, I would say you've seen something from the mist that probably resembles a death dog before, uh, although usually it gets taken care of by, uh, you know, if you're not quick enough to do it, then usually Mor Morpheus comes out and just blasts the shit out of it. Um, but yeah, you've probably seen them once or twice. They're 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 solitary hunters usually. Um, by nature, so they usually like to pick off things that are smaller and isolated. But like I said, they've harassed, for sure they've harassed the caravan before. Just not very often. Because you got an 18. So. Sweet. All right. That's all I'll do. All right. Um, then I would say for the purposes of everything, we are out of combat. Um, Darren, do you like? Would you like to do anything else while? Yeah. So instead of the dog just dying, uh huh. Um, can I give it a point of uh, lay on hands? So you're gonna bring it back to consciousness? Yeah. Okay. You reach okay. out. You lay on hands and heal its wounds, and it immediately snaps back to life. It's going to attack you. Yeah. Um. Oh my god, that is a 21 to hit. Shield. <laughs> As it wakes up and lashes out at you, you're like, oh fuck, it was actually closer than I thought it was. You didn't have it bound quite as much as you thought. Um, and you instinctively put that shield up and its teeth, both of its mouth, closes on that magical force of energy. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I'm gonna bonk it on the head again. Okay, roll attack, roll. <laughs> you guys see this. I would say you also get to react to this, um, Everly, and technically anybody else who witnessed it, which would be Madcap. 16. 
16? 16 hits. Non-lethals. Okay. Well, as it does that, uh, you see Theron lash out and smack it on the side of the head again, uh, and it goes unconscious. Yeah. This time, this one's not with the act, clown. Do not attack it. You You hear Theron turn to you, Madcap, and say, don't attack it. Um, Everly, what do you do in the situation before Madcap's reaction to said situation? Are you still staying in cat form? I had thrown back into me. Okay. Let's see. Hide. Reveal. Why are we keeping this on? Oh, shit. Oh, she's talking to Yeah, me? she actually, she drops cat form and says, why are we keeping yes, this alive? I am human again. Oh, yeah. oh, my, my. You are a human. Uh, you wouldn't perhaps be a druid, would you? One of those ones in tune with nature? I mean, it's a weird motive, but yeah. Well, it's just your whole attire. You, uh... Your whole attire? I'm wearing clothes. <laughs> while, they're, while they're talking, yes. Madcap will walk over to the dog. Like he'll he'll walk over to the group and just sort of like, oh okay. Uh, as she says that, you hear. And you look back towards the source of the sound, and you see Morpheus standing behind Chester and Noel, who have just fresh, freshly exited. Uh, the the tent and Morpheus turns to Chester as he stops clapping and says see I, I, these are the individuals I was telling you about that one right there and points and kind of leans over towards Chester and points at Everly and says the one that just turned from the, from the cat back to a normal person and then the other one Tornog I believe I saw her dash off towards the cave as you, as you can see they're very effective in dealing with, with beasts of all manner and Chester like nods and shakes his head, his eyes wide. He says, "Oh no, and yeah, no, exactly. That is that was fascinating. No, that's very good. Um, that, that, I think that'll do just fine. Did you see all of them? They were all pretty effective." And Morpheus turns and he says, "Just, just really quick." Um, Jack. Yes. Yep. And right turns over to Jack and says, "Jack." You did. Did you damage my tent? <laughs> did I damage your tent? His eyes narrow briefly for a second. I'll take that as a no. Um, it's paltry. It's nothing. I'll fix that shortly. Um, but yes, we should all probably reconvene inside with. Oh. You left one alive. Looks over towards you, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. And then Jack will just drive his knives into the thing. Uh, before, can I? Before like... you can do that, um, three blasts of arcane energy, boom, 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 hit the dog. As you turn to put your knife into it, and you look over and you see Morpheus, his hand out, glowing, three separate orbs on his palm. Hmm. And oh, the, the scowl on Jack's face. Yeah, and he looks towards you, Theron, and he says, I'm sorry, it was beyond normal means. We should all reconvene inside and discuss this um, can I, gathering. Uh, can I roll an insight check? 
Yeah, sure. On Morpheus? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. No. That was a six, but it was cocked. Cocked! That's a two, so... Are you blowing your loss? Your loss? Uh, yeah, I'm He's blowing. He's blowing lucky! <laughs> okay. That I'll take. I got a 19. 19? What are you trying to ascertain? I'm trying to see uh, if it was almost like this was his... Like this was staged almost. And um, we were... It almost was like... Everything had to die just so that there was no evidence. Uh, you definitely do not get that from him. Um, as you like, you look at him and like try to peer into his mannerisms and his whole demeanor. There's like a brief moment where it's like so aloof and non-committal that you don't get anything. And he kind of looks at you and is like glancing over at everyone, looks at Chester, and then he focuses his attention on you. And there's a moment where you see. No, it's not that this was a plan. No, Morpheus didn't care about anything other than the fact that he realized that that type of creature doesn't get to exist. Um, and blew it apart, not out of malice, but at, it seems like almost out of duty. He felt like he had to. Um, despite the the aloof mannerisms and everything that he's kind of presenting... There were no ill intentions with what he did to the creature. And as he kind of turns towards the group, he says, Chester, if I may formally. Everly, is Tordog towards the cave? Yes? Yeah. Tornog! And you hear Tornog, the unmistakable sound of Morpheus's voice, um, calling to you. Ah. Brush the rubble off her from the, from the, the mini little <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Luna, you see Tornog begin to exit. Uh, and she comes out and kind of looks over and she says, ah. Uh, he says, ah, oh, yes, Tornog, lovely. Chester, may I formally introduce you and these new companions uh, that we have begun our conversations with to my accomplished and lovely beast tamers. Tornog and Everly. And that's where we'll end tonight's session. Ooh. Did, did he blow the dog to pieces? Uh, yes. It is now... It's not even roadkill. Those arcane blasts... <laughs> those arcane blasts annihilated this creature. Are there, are there any chunks left? Um, of this one? Probably not. There's blood splatter. But you would be able to find chunks of the other dogs if you're going to look for them. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get some chunks and uh, I'm gonna uh, press the digitation uh, to summon some like a, a salt and pepper shaker into my hands and then season up a chunk of meat and then just start eating. <laughs> um, Luna. Well, well, he's doing that. Uh huh. Let it cook. I've got my can, can I? Uh, can I? Uh, tap into uh, my more divine sense and I want to sense if he is uh, if that creature is uh, undead uh, fiend or whatever 
So, given the the nature, obviously, the overall appearance of him, it's very intimidating and odd-looking. Um, as he begins to walk away, um, and you expand the um, the field of your detect good and evil, I believe? No, it's just... Uh, divine sense. Yeah, divine sense. Uh, you do get a ping of fiendish before, like, uh, from him. Uh, around the same amount of fiendish that you would get from a tiefling, okay. which you've encountered before. Um, but there's different. Yeah. There's different levels. There's different variations of tieflings, and there's also is, different is levels. Is he on uh, the higher spectrum? No, he feels like. Uh, I mean, he feels like a little more of a powerful version of like a normal tiefling. Like okay. he's got some. Obviously, he's got some abilities to him. Okay. Um, However, uh, you do see him as he, like Luna, as you're coming out of the cave, because I'm assuming you're going after the ones that are down in the cave. Um, yeah. As he's going out of the cave, you see this weird, like, dancing, lanky, live jester run into the cave really quick, rip a ch- chunk off of uh, one of these dogs, take out some salt and pepper, and start chewing on it and walking over towards Everly, who takes her flame blade and begins to cook it. For him, and he just like starts scarfing it down, and that's for tonight's session. So, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I hope that session was fun for you guys. Great opening session for me personally. I love um, doing like introduction stuff like this. Next week, we will come back from here, and hopefully, the group can introduce themselves to one another, uh, and we'll pick up from right there. Um, yeah, that was our first session of Norton Crest and the Hissing Mist. Uh, we will deal with the ramifications of everything that's are transpiring next week and pick up from there. Uh, we will definitely be playing next week uh, unless you yeah. know something bad happens, but you know that could just be anything. I mean, I guess t- you know to be fair, Jack could have went off and took a piece from the big dog um, <laughs> if he wanted to. Um, yeah. Depends on how tunnel vision he was, and he was kind of headed in that direction anyway. So. Yes, that's what we're in tonight's session. Thank you guys for joining us. Like I said, we'll pick up from here next week, and that'll be all for now.